This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. And now, Preston and Steve's news update with Kathy Romano. And it is Thursday, June 25th. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning in the news this morning. An Amish teenager's disappearance in Lancaster County has prompted a manhunt across the state. Police say 18-year-old Linda Stoltzfus was uh, never returned to her family's home in the rural village of Burdenhand after church on Sunday. They say that she was last seen wearing a tan dress. On Monday, volunteers searched through fields and streams. Local roads were shut down and 15 horses with riders were dispatched to help in the search. The FBI is also assisting with the search. Investigators have not ruled out foul play, but they say that she may have left on her own. Anyone with information is asked to contact the East Lampeter Township Police. That last name is very, very common out there. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, if you've ever bought a uh, like a shed out in, in Lancaster County around yeah. that area. Stolfus yeah. is the is the name. Tremendous. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you remember, there was there was that, that case of the guy who had um, who was keeping the kids prisoner. Basically, he, that was his last name as well. He was he was. Oh, was it? Community. You remember? Wasn't Stolfus? Well, he had the kids, but he was out in Bucks County. That guy, right? right? Mm-hmm. At least uh, I'm misremembering. I, I think he, that, that was. You know, what? I think that was the family. Yeah, the, the, right. the mother and father maybe had that last name. The guy out in mm-hmm. Bucks County. I forget what his last name okay. was. Yeah, a 5.8 magnitude earthquake hit California at about 10:45 a.m. local time Wednesday. The epicenter was near Cartago, about 180 miles north of Los Angeles. People at several businesses near Lone Pine and Bishop told ABC News the uh, the while there, were, there was shaking, uh, it was intense, but they didn't see any damage, they said. Several rock slides were reported as well. They said the shaking, though, helped uh, promote social distancing because it shook That's people good. further apart. <laughs> so there's a plus side to that. I was in Lone Pine last summer, Steve. That's where uh, Alabama Hills is. And where I You'd mentioned, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really cool spot. Um, it's on the uh, east side of Mount Whitney, and so if you're going to hike Mount Whitney or go up into that part of the Sierra Nevada, you can stay in Lone Pine, um, but I'll, I'll be curious to see how bad the damage was, because 5.8 is... It's, it's pretty moderate. Significant. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it's not huge. It's not a, you know, but it's um that's a that's a, certainly an earthquake that as long can as, do some damage. As long as Otisburg remains intact. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> that's right along the fault line. Right along the fault line. Uh-huh. Lex Luthor. So Otisburg. Some, <laughs> some shaking was also felt in Los Angeles. This comes a day after a 7.4 magnitude quake hit Mexico near the resort of Huachuluca. Uh, Tulco. Hutut. No, Huatuco. Okay, so Zewataneo. Uh, <laughs> killing at least six people and damaging hundreds of homes, according to the Associated Press. At least six others were hurt, including two people in Mexico City, more than 300 miles from the epicenter. Cool. Yay! Yeah. What happened? New York. I don't, I don't print, I can't sometimes, print anymore, so I, <clears throat> it's all on my computer, so I just have to. <laughs> she thinks about her own story sometimes. There's a little lag. Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Those poor people. I assume construction codes are more relaxed down there. Just give me a second. Why can't you switch my page? I don't know. It, it wasn't working when I got back, and I just started doing it on my computer because that's how I was doing it at home. Right. Okay. okay. New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey will require visitors from states with high coronavirus infection rates to quarantine for 14 days upon arrival. Beginning Thursday, the three governors said, we now have to make sure the rates continue to drop. New Jersey Governor Andrew Cuomo said on Wednesday at a video briefing with Governors Phil Murphy uh, of New Jersey and Ned Lamont of Connecticut, we also have to make sure the virus doesn't come on a plane again. What was presented as a 
travel advisory affects three adjacent northeastern states. And after time, we're able to check the spread of the virus this spring as New York City became a hotspot for the pandemic. And the governors are now warily eyeing other states with rising caseloads, trying to keep history from repeating itself. The state's health departments will provide details on how the rule will work, uh, Murphy said. Visitors to New York from affected states will be informed that they need to quarantine and that violators could face a mandatory quarantine and a fine, Cuomo said. It could be hard to enforce that as yeah. people come in. You know, it's the honor system, and uh, following up on that might be difficult. Yeah, I just, I, a friend of mine is traveling, and I just told her, you know, yesterday, yeah. and, and she's going to one of these states, and she's like, mm. I'm like, okay, the quarantine will be enforced. Turn her in. (laughs) The quarantine, but I think that's what happens. Like if they want to go, they're going to go. Then they're going to go. And when they come back, that's that. The quarantine will be enforced differently in each state. The announcement comes as summer travels uh, to the state's beaches, parks, and other attractions, not to mention New York City, which would normally be uh, put into high gear with visitors. Visitors from states over a set infection rate will have to quarantine. As of Wednesday, states that are over the threshold were Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, Utah, and Texas. In sports this morning. Baseball will face a few changes this year. It will be a 60-game regular season. No spitting. Pitchers can't lick their fingers, but they can have a wet rag in their pockets. No high fives. No fist bumps. No hugs. What teams, the f- is it? Team staff, not including players, will wear masks in the dugout, and National League teams will have a designated hitter. Opening day will be on July 23rd or 24th, and the MLB will attempt to cram 60 games into about 66 days. Players report to camp on July 1st for spring training, too. The Phillies schedule it's will... summer in- training. It's not spring Yeah, anymore. right. It's, 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 that's right. The Phillies schedule will include mostly games against the National League East and the American League East, and all teams will stay in their geographic region to limit travel. Fans will not be permitted into stands for the 2020 season, but the Phil's entire schedule will be televised on NBC Sports Philadelphia and on national channels. Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott, who was diagnosed with the coronavirus 10 days ago, said he's back to feeling normal, but he has not been cleared by doctors to work out. The three-time pro bowler said that he was concerned about the safety of players with the NFL preparing to return to training camps in July. In an interview over Twitch, Elliott said, I just don't know how they can keep the players healthy. you got to put the health of the players first. And speaking of uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Preston and I were watching this morning a video of, and Preston, I had no idea this was his name, but uh, Haha Clinton Dix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he used to play for the Packers. So he was, he was riding a scooter uh, in his driveway on the side of his car, and when he got to the back of his car, there was a bear and a cub there, and oh my God. he freaks out, throws the scooter, and runs away. So wow. The bears were chasing a cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> it works out perfectly. And finally, Brooks Kepka will not play in this week's Travelers Championship after his caddy, Ricky Elliott, tested positive for the coronavirus. The world's fourth-ranked player announced wow. the decision yesterday and is among five players to withdraw a group that includes Webb Simpson, the number five player in the world. Both players tested negative but said that they were exercising caution by withdrawing. The PGA Tour announced that it will enforce extra testing and stricter monitoring of protocols. And that's what I have for you this morning. All right. Thank you very much, Kathy. A fine morning that we have before us as you head out the door. You'll see there's a beautiful sunrise today, various colors, and uh, it's, a, it's a good sign. It's just a rush. Be... You get you get up when you see that. Yeah, so we, we do have good weather today, and we have a guest on the program. So 
There is an anniversary of sorts. It is uh, from 2000. The Flyers had a game against uh, the Penguins, and it went into five overtimes. It was the Eastern Conference semifinals. Game number three, and there's going to be a replay of the game tonight on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And the man that was in the net for all eight (laughs) periods of Mm. that game. It's amazing. Brian Boucher is going to give us a call this morning. I forgot about that. It was insane, man. I stayed up to watch the whole thing. It was like 2.30 in the morning that it ended, and I was tired watching it. I I can't imagine what it was like playing. Yeah, especially, you know, he stayed in the net the whole time. The whole time. uh, We'll talk to Boucher later on this morning and, uh, you know, standard procedure as well with uh, other things. We have stuff to give away and things to talk about, so we'll do that very uh, I've said thing like five times. Ah, whatever. Yeah. You can say it again. So we'll do that very thing. And it's many things Thursday. And other things. It's lots of things Thursday <laughs> All right. on the President Steve Show. So we'll go ahead and take a break, come back in a second, and the stupid question will be what we get to next with the entertainment report. So hang in there with us. We're going to have a good time today. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Facebook, Twitter, you know, the usual places. Steven Singer Jewelers is now offering financing online with interest-free options available for a limited time. Get pre-qualified in seconds. Learn more at IHateStevenSinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. So the stupid question this morning will get you a Fandango Now promo code to see Irresistible, if you answer this correctly. Uh, what year does Samuel L. Jackson host the MTV Movie Awards? Hmm. Uh, let's see if you know that. 215-263-WMMR. Samuel L. Jackson hosts the MTV, MTV Movie Awards. When was it? What year was it? Uh, so I'll do a time killer, go through some birthdays while we're waiting for your answer. Today is Thursday, June 25th. Uh, it's Jimmy Walker's birthday today. J.J. Jimmy Walker. That's the one. Good times. Yep. Veteran of the Love Boat. <laughs> How many episodes do you think you've watched? A couple. Yeah. Oh, of, oh, the, they... of the Love Boat? Yeah. Uh, every, every one multiple times. Yeah. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and Jimmy Walker was on there a couple oh, of course. times? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he say dynamite? He couldn't. Have. No, no, he never said dynamite. Yeah, he actually. I remember the, the story with him and Good Times. He was a, as with Fonzie, he was a secondary character. Yeah, uh, the focus of Good Times was supposed to be John Amos, and the, you know, he and he became the breakout star, and that actually caused tension between John Amos and. No kidding. Well, because. Yeah. He got signed he out to be the, the star, star. And then right. they clearly focused the show yeah. on Jimmy Walker. Yeah, so he's uh, celebrating his 73rd birthday. We today. had him in studio. I, I can't recall. Was he... Did we yeah. like him? He was okay. He was, he was okay. okay. That's okay. about it. He, he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't like to dwell on the past too much and what he's really, really famous for. Yeah. He did write, and I, and this is legend, I believe I'm attributing it uh, correctly to him, but I worked, there used to be a club on Long Island called Chuckles, and people would sign the back wall, the stand-up comedy club. Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, uh, great appearing at your club on my way down, he right. wrote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jimmy, 73 today. Uh, actress Linda Cardellini. Oh, yeah. I love, I love her too. Um, Velma in the Scooby-Doo movies. Uh, she was in... Uh, uh, Mad Men, Avengers, Age of Ultron. So she has her place in the MCU. Uh, and then what's the show, Kathy, with her and Christina Applegate? Oh, Dead, uh, to, Dead me. to Me. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, really good. I liked that. Uh, did they wrap that up or? it was? So it's two seasons. They set it up to for there to be a third if they're, okay. yeah. I watched some of the first one. I did like it. It's just I never I never went back to it. I, there are I, a lot of shows like that. Yeah. So you are watching Prodigal Son, so everything's working out. Yes, yeah. yes. I have like three episodes left. I'm done. Uh, Linda Cardellini is 45. Uh, Angela Kinsey from The Office. 
uh, is 49. Oh, she's one of the office ladies. They do a podcast with, it's her. And, yeah, um, she's she's the one who's stuck up and dating uh, Dwight Schrute. Yeah, and, okay. and so, but uh, she's she's traded some of the office fame to continue to talk about the office, which is cool. And it's also Ricky Gervais's birthday. Oh, today. Ah, the creator. He created the office in England, and uh, he is celebrating his 59th birthday today. Gervais is great, obviously. The, the British version of the office, which is, I think, just one season. I'm not sure, one, maybe two seasons. Um, is really good, but the American version of The Office is, I find, much funnier. But I saw yesterday someone did some deep faking and replaced every character on The Office, the American version, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my God, I have to see this. It is hilarious. Okay, yeah. all right, I'm on board. Yeah, unbelievable. I'm on board. Uh, a very talented young actress by the name of McKenna Grace is 14 today. I first saw her in the movie... With Chris Evans, gifted, where she plays a mathematical prodigy. Of yeah, sorts. she's great, and she's one of those kids. You're like a kid this young is acting like is this that. A kid, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, she also played uh, Tanya Harding and I Tanya yeah, as yeah. a little kid. Oh yeah, uh, and she's also an Annabelle comes home. Annabelle, that's right. <laughs> By the way, again, Annabelle, mm-hmm. Annabelle comes home. Is a good movie. Is it yeah. a good movie? It, it is really they, so. They, not to go off as if anyone's going to watch it based on my recommendation, <laughs> but there's a room full of all these haunted objects, and um, the the way the story lays out, Preston, it's very Stephen Kingish. I think you would like it. All right, and you get to see Annabelle. I remember when Annabelle came home. <laughs> uh, so Grace uh, McKenna Grace is 14 She's today. Young Carol in Captain Marvel. I didn't realize that. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah, and the okay. go-kart. And... Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty, then. Uh, Tim Fim, the singer, uh, was with the, the band Crowded House. Before that, he was in a group called Split Ends. Always liked his voice. Always liked Crowded House. Oh, my God. Don't Dream It's Over is yeah. one of my yeah. favorite songs of all time. I liked uh, that period of uh, of MTV, which yeah. was kind of the, the focus of, of music at that time, where they kind of started to get into lighter, poppier stuff. And I love great. that. And yeah. the video for Don't Dream It Over still remains one of my favorites. It's the Walking Through the House. Do you remember that one? I do remember. Yeah. yeah. So he. He is 68 today. Carly Simon, ah. largest mouth on a female <laughs> singer ever, uh, is 75 today. Always like Carly Simon. I wonder if she ever made out with Steven Tyler. Yeah, the amount of Jagger. suction that would be generated. Yeah. Um, so my mom always liked her, and uh, I hated her because there was a girl in school named Carly who was so annoying and because uh, her name was Carly I was like you hated I, her I hated her anyone named Carly it, it just was like yeah. it, it was terrible and I was like I, I, I hate this one I know those associations but yeah. some, someone ends up being collateral damage because they remind you of someone you hate yep uh, so Carly Simon is 75 and Supposedly, this song was about Warren Beatty, right? That's what I heard. And, yeah. and um, you're so vain. Yeah, she was married. She was married to James Taylor for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's 75 today, uh, and and also singer Edie Floyd. I guess a one-hit wonder of sorts because she did "Knock on Wood," and then it was I redone. The better knock, knock, knock on wood. Yeah, I think she did the original version because <laughs> yeah. she's 83. Yo, <laughs> uh, so I'm knocking on wood and no one's coming. <laughs> I pooped myself. <laughs> and nobody's coming to help you? I've been you. knocking on this wood for an hour. I'm sorry. I'm in my own filth. Mrs. Floyd. But they, So it was remade as a disco hit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I can't remember who did that. I should know that. She was very androgynous looking. She was like Grace Jones, I remember. Yeah, I used to play that record. I remember the waitress in Roadhouse sang it uh, on stage. Yes, she did do Jeff that. Jeff Healy's band. You are correct, yes. <laughs> she was good. Uh, and then, Wait, so who wrote it? 
Who's whose birthday are we celebrating? Uh, Edie Floyd or Eddie Floyd? It's Eddie Floyd's a guy. Oh, I'm sorry, Eddie. Yeah. He is 83. Yeah. Is this I'm the same still song? Out of one. <laughs> yeah. Is this the same song? It is. Uh-huh. And then it was remade, Nick. A- a- into... Amy Stewart. That's yeah. who it was. Uh, All right, there we go. Right. Okay. okay. This whole time we've been celebrating Eddie Floyd's birthday. Eddie, not Edie. Right. All right. I Eddie, just... they're talking about you, Sean. What did they do? <laughs> <laughs> talking about you. And then the last birthday I saw is Busy Phillips. So it's Busy and Bijou. They're related, right? No. No? No, because we talked about it on Bijou's birthday. Damn it. Yeah. Now, one of them is related to the captain that was taken over by the Somali pirates. Yes, that's right. So mm-hmm. Busy Phillips is it's related to Captain daughter. Phillips. Yeah, Busy Phillips is not in the, the mom and the papa's family, the John Phillips, any of those right. Phillips. She's she's her own entity in the okay. Phillips world. But okay. Bijou is. Right. And she was on Freaks and Geeks with Linda Cardellini. Yes. Also and Annabelle. And Annabelle. You know. <laughs> I'm glad we're bringing that back. Annabelle. <laughs> Busy is 41 today. All right, let's see if we can get an answer to the stupid question. What year did Samuel L. Jackson host the MTV Movie Awards? 215-263-WMMR. Our number, it is the Dave that I'm going to. Yo, Dave, how you doing, man? Hi, good morning. Uh, Dave, what year did Samuel L. Jackson host the MTV Movie Awards? 1998. 98. He's right. Hang on, Dave. Sorry, I spoke over the Dave clip there. All right, uh, so for Dave, we got a Fandango Now promo code to see Irresistible, written and directed by John Stewart and starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. And that is available on demand on Friday from Focus Features. Uh, are we going to have her on tomorrow? Is that going to happen or not? Mm, haven't heard nothing. Love Rose Byrne. She's so awesome. She's great. All right, I have some news to share with you. Dennis Quaid is now married to Laura Savoie. Uh, I guess that's how you say her name, S-A-V-O-I-E, Savoie. Yeah. Uh, and on Wednesday, news broke the couple had eloped in a secret ceremony on June 2nd. It's so secret, we're hearing about it on the other side of the country. Uh, Quaid and Savoie tied the knot at a seaside resort in Santa Barbara with only their pastor as witness. And oh. they exchanged traditional vows with just them alone. So that's very, very sweet. You know, many times when you have something, a relationship like this, where the age divide is many, many decades, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, that's depressing and disgusting. He's in such good shape. I know. He looks so good that he actually looks appropriate with her. So you mentioned the age difference. It's 39 years. 39 years. He is, how old is he, Nick? He's 70, no, I mean, he's 66 and she's 27. But I mean, Uh, look at this picture. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and she. Uh, I don't listen. Do you think she has issues or any issues? Yeah, something like that. That could be part Daddy of it. So we, we, we talked about women being attracted to older men, but we listen. Ass- I'm attracted not, to older women. Many decades. How about women being attracted to older, successful men? Yeah, yes, with money. that might be. A <laughs> part that could be of it too. Yeah. Uh, so they they he said it was beautiful. He said just looking into her eyes, she was the most stunning bride. Uh, Quaid and Savoie had planned to see I do in April in Hawaii. They had a princess wedding, Preston. Uh, <laughs> it was a theme. Uh, they decided to postpone their nuptials amid the coronavirus concerns. They were going to do it at Craig T. Nelson's house. Yeah. In Hawaii. Coach. Yes, coach, yeah. Of coach, yeah. Mr. Incredible? Mr. Incredible, too, yes. Uh, back in October, Quaid revealed that he had proposed to Savoie after several months of dating. He popped the question to the 26-year-old at the time, Ph.D. student, while on location in Hawaii, 
promoting his film Midway. Thirty nine years difference. Yep, and he, he said the uh, yeah the the age difference really doesn't bother us. Is what he said. Uh, he's actually good in that movie uh, Midway. Uh, I, I, I didn't did, watch it. I didn't know what to expect, but it is it really captures that sort of battle. Because they're using all the CGI stuff that wasn't right. available for a long time, and so, it looks, it's pretty good. What was the secondary plot line? Was there another plot line? They, they, they're, they're trying to get booze from a local liquor store, <laughs> <laughs> and so they're working on fake IDs. All okay. right, so there yeah. was no, there was no, you know, love interest thing going on. Uh, on the no, side. no, it's the Battle of Midway. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Quaid, by the way, was previously married to P.J. Souls from seventy-eight to eighty-three, Meg Ryan from ninety-one to two thousand one, and Kimberly Quaid. Uh, 2004 to 2018, Quaid. so he's going for a fourth run Yeah, at marriage with a 27-year-old, and he I'm, is in his late 60s. I wonder if she'll survive him. Mm. Uh, following George Floyd's death at the hands of uh, police, cop shows have been under the microscope. Cops itself was canceled, and uh, many wondered how NBC's hit sitcom Brooklyn Nine-Nine would address the Black Lives Movement uh, Matter movement. Uh, and fans got an idea when star Terry Crews revealed that several scripts had to be completely tossed and season eight essentially restarted. Uh, he said that showrunner Dan Gore had four new episodes all ready to go, and they just threw them in the trash. We had to start over, and right now we don't know which direction it's going to go. Uh, Cruz added that the cast has had a lot of somber talks about it and deep conversations, and he said we hope through this, we're going to make something that will be truly groundbreaking this year. We have an opportunity here, and we plan to use it in the best way possible. The show is unbelievably funny. It's got a great ensemble. I'd be curious um, to see where they go. Yeah, Andy Samberg, Stephanie Beatriz, uh, Andre Brower, and Melissa Fumero of the uh, cast. So all actors want a hit, but according to Jennifer Aniston, there's definitely such thing as too much success. In a roundtable talk with The Hollywood Reporter, she opened up about breaking free from Rachel Green's shadow. She said, I could not get Rachel Green off my back for the life of me. I could not escape Rachel from Friends. Just Rachel from Friends. It's on all the time. And you're like, stop playing this effing show. I completely fought with myself and who I was in this industry forever because it was just constantly about trying to prove I was more than that, which is the standard typecast type yeah. thing, right? It, it is. And and so you know, obviously, Friends achieved a, a pop culture level that doesn't always happen with sitcoms, but it did. And now it continues to live on. But she's she's had a long career now. Yeah, oh, she, yeah. She's yeah. gotten See, I would have thought the, it would have been the other way, Preston. The chick from Leprechaun. The chick from Leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. What's she doing on Friends? But she changed her nose. Yeah, and you couldn't tell. I mean, she, and don't get me wrong, I love her, but she has no range whatsoever. Every single character she plays is basically. Most of them. Yeah, there yeah. was a movie called Cake that she did where she took oh, a real yeah. dramatic turn. It's a very depressing movie. It's at okay. the beauty pageants, right? Or am um, I thinking of a different one? No. no. Who's the one where no. she played the. Um... I know the one you're talking yeah. about. No, that was. Um, I forgot what that one was called, Steve. No, this she was, was like she a was young... in, She was in a really bad car accident. She was oh. in extreme pain all the time. Was like I never saw it. It's good. I've only seen parts all of right. it, but I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, she can she can go beyond the all um, right. the whole Rachel thing. But you're right, Casey. Like in, in other comedies and so on, in lighter movies, it's very similar to that Rachel I thought character. she was really good in the morning show, uh, the Steve Carell vehicle. Okay, and she, she, was. she was not Rachel on the morning show. Yeah. So she said that 2002's The Good Girl helped. She said The Good Girl was the first time I got to really shed whatever Rachel character was. 
and to be able to disappear into someone who wasn't that was such a relief to me. The original title movie, by the way, that was The Good Rachel, which uh, she yeah. fought against. She said, but I remember the panic that set over me thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I can do this, but maybe they're right. Maybe everybody else is seeing something I'm not seeing, which is uh, you're only the girl in New York in the New York apartment with the purple wall. So uh, I was almost doing it for myself just to see if I could do something other than that. And uh, it was terrifying because you're doing it in front of the world, she, but she's, she's doing a, just fine. Yeah, and she, she talked about it, and, and she's honest about the fact also that people would die to get a show like that. Sure. And you don't want to see them ungrateful. The beauty know? pageant movie was called Dumplings. That's it. Which is another thing you can eat, like cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I understand. Exactly. You're Thank confused. you. That one, I couldn't get through that movie. No. It was just okay, I thought. Yeah. But, Nick, it, you enjoyed it, it's right? Okay. Well, you yeah. got to watch Dumplin' first and then yeah, that yeah. cake. Okay, right. yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff Ross, a uh, longtime friend of the president, Steve Show, yes, is yeah. denying allegations uh, that he engaged in a sexual relationship with a minor. On Monday, the comedian and Dancing with the Stars alum issued a statement on Twitter in response to resurfaced allegations that he had pursued a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old girl starting in 1999. He said, this story is old news. He said, it's taken a lot of discipline for me to not respond until now because I believe that this is a mental health issue and I support people when they're hurting. He said, but let me be clear. These disgusting allegations asserted against me are absolutely not true. I have never engaged in any sexual relationship with a minor. His accuser came forward with their story in an October 2019 Facebook post alleging that the actor raped her while she was asleep. He said, or apparently according to the post, it said, I've only just recently realized just how effed up all this is and was, and then dash, I seriously do not want any predator to ever get away with stuff like this. Okay, so in his statement last week, Ross claimed that his accuser and her husband have been, quote, harassing me for years and that he plans to take legal action based on these untrue, horrific allegations. He said no one, no matter how sick they are, should be allowed to continue to try and benefit from false stories while attempting to destroy others. He said, I'm proud of my reputation, not just as a comedian, but as a human being and an ally to women. The accuser who did, he did, uh, who did not share her name publicly, did not immediately respond to requests for an interview. Ross continued in his social media post, however, to state that the culture surrounding comedians that is currently being called out by victims is real. He added that uh, he supports reforming the comedy environment to be less predatory. He said the dangerous environment currently being exposed at the comedy clubs is real. I wholeheartedly support change and vow to do more to make my community safer for everyone. Uh, although this accusation is false, he continued, uh, saying, I want uh, there to be no doubt my commitment to victims of sexual assault, love and respect. And that is from Jeff Ross. So you reported on the situation with the cast of Riverdale and uh, it, this person or persons were accusing a couple of them of sexual harassment or misconduct. And then you found out that they were saying, look what we can get away with yeah. when we try to do something like that. They were trying to make an example of that. Yeah. And it was uh, so, you know, it's 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 possible. I mean, we, we you know, we don't know. We know Jeff is a friend of the show and he, and he always seems to be on the up and up. Yeah. He's also pointing out that, you know, stuff like this doesn't yeah. exist. So, oh, yeah. you know. You gotta you gotta do your diligence and, and investigations as well. All right. So according to reports, Ryan Reynolds to reports will be appearing as Green Lantern in the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which is set to hit HBO Max next year. This would be wild. That's two different sources of reporting this. Supposed to be a cameo. Yeah. Uh, Reynolds, who previously appeared as Hal Jordan alongside his wife Blake Lively in the 2001 film Green Lantern, which didn't do that well. Uh, the Green Lantern franchise has been something of a boogeyman since, as Warner Brothers has yet to figure out a way 
to work the character and the Green Lantern Corps into the DCEU. Uh, in the Amazonian's battle against Steppenwolf's force in Justice League, you can actually see a lantern briefly. Yeah. And then it's that's cool. it. Yeah. yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah, yeah, they showed all these different warriors from around the you know universe, I guess, fighting against Steppenwolf. It's just for a moment you can see a Green Lantern. Uh, but other than that, the intergalactic militarized law enforcement organization is yet to make their debut in the franchise. At this time, there's currently a Green Lantern Corps series from producer Greg Berlanti in the works over at HBO Max. According to initial rumors, that series is not only set to feature more than one Green Lantern, but their infamous nemesis, Sinestro, as well. But Ryan Reynolds showing up as a cameo, that'd be pretty damn cool. It would be cool, yeah. Uh, Rebel Wilson has declared 2020 her year of health, and she's reaching her goals with a mix of workouts, walks, and revamped diet. Uh, The Pitch Perfect star kicked off her plan at Australia's medical wellness center, Viva Meyer. A medical director previously told The Guardian, everything starts with the gut. The fundamental principle is that you can improve someone's health through digestion. Meal focus on uh, meals uh, focus on whole foods like vegetables, fresh fish, and yogurt, uh, and farting. Uh, guests are encouraged to chew their food thirty times before swallowing. <laughs> I've heard this tip, yeah, and to schedule meals at least four hours apart. Really, I ignore that tip. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's been around forever. Yeah, Shirley Feeney used to do it. Right, right? this notion of chewing and uh, chewing your food at least thirty times before you swallow. There's a whole society of us slow eaters, and I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, I mean, they're like no. taking the time to. It, I again, I have no restraints. So I, Nick I, is like a stork. Yeah, yeah, yeah he'll just really take is. the fish whole. And right, yeah, swallow, <laughs> like an alligator. Uh-huh. You know, but um, uh, she I, looks, she looks phenomenal. So yeah, whatever she, is working for her is working. Yeah, she does look great. So yeah, exactly. Isn't it wild that a, in a year of a worldwide pandemic, it's her year of health? Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. for her. It's, hey, man, it's something to focus on, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's good. Uh, speaking of that, Charlize Theron is opening up about parenting during these challenges. I was times. waiting for this. I know. <laughs> uh, she tells E.T., as a parent, it's been a difficult time. Is it difficult to be a, a parent <laughs> so, now? Are you doing the homeschooling? This is uh, E.T. with a sit-down. Uh, she said, I think all parents, we want to believe we have time. And the world has kind of shaken me in a way that I realize that I don't have time. If you tug on this, some gorse plat will come out. Oh, <laughs> You're a lovely woman. There was a moment where I felt like a little piece of my children's innocence was taken from uh, them during this period because I had to sit down with them and have really, really hard, honest conversations about some really ugly things in our world today that they need to know. How old are her kids? You know what? I don't know, kids. Uh, She said, I want them to know because I want to raise two little warriors. Uh, She said, for parents out there, this is the moment where I think we shouldn't be shielding our children. I think it's important for us to stop hiding in the shadows and pretending like nothing's going on. I think we can do it in a way where we're not traumatizing our children, but where we're inspiring our children. Uh, my girls know that they have a place in this world, and they need to stand up tall and strong and proud, and that's the most important thing right now. Uh, so, Charlize Theron is right. Uh, any idea how old <laughs> yes, the Yes, uh, they adopted two children, um, Jackson, in March of 2012, and um, and then, I'm sorry, somebody else in 2015, they don't have the name there, but um, Jackson is a transgender girl. So I don't know if they were infants when they... Adopted well, no, them or not, so they would, if, if 20, 2012, then at least eight years yeah, old. Yeah, Jackson is now eight. Uh, okay. At least eight, yeah. Okay. All right, and she had in a recent interview 
scathing things to uh, say about Steven Seagal. Did you read that stuff? No. no. Oh, God. Did they work together? I don't know where the where the connection was. Apparently, at some point, or there had been an audition, but she just savages him. Yeah, wow. I think it was. It started with she saw footage of him running, right, and was so disgusted that she she did, does actually <laughs> mention the yeah. No, does she really? Yes, and his physicality and everything. She called him incredibly overweight, and uh, he's pushing people. He's overweight. He can barely fight. Look it up. It's ridiculous. He's shoving people by the face. It's a setup, so she's like questioning his martial arts abilities and <laughs> basically calling him fat. Yeah, so yeah. He has not been nice to women over the years. Okay, okay. Wow, interesting. Well, I want to. I want to read some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, what else we have here? Keanu Reeves and his girlfriend Alexandra Grant have reunited with his Matrix co-stars, according to reports. So he's back filming. Uh, the pair were spotted at Berlin in Germany. Shooting in San Francisco has wrapped. Uh, the pair went public with it's their... It's great rom- to have you here, Keanu. Uh, oh, wow. It's Tony Bennett, everybody. Absolutely. Who's welcoming Keanu Reeves. Why is he... I'm always here. Okay. He's, I'm the unofficial in- ambassador for San Francisco. <laughs> okay. it's San Francisco. Whether it's real or in the Matrix. Right. Tony Bennett is there. I'm so. actually sitting in an egg pod with tubes <laughs> bored into the back of my head, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm nothing more than a battery for the larger machine. <laughs> Am I happy, though? As long as I'm in San Francisco, I'm happy. Wow. So so the poop and, and all over... That's Sam- what's in my container, Preston. <laughs> you notice there's no bathroom attached to this thing. <laughs> you just dump right I'm in I'm just it. dumping right in here. That's what they do. Right? In San Francisco. My hose came undone. A city by the bay. By the bay. Mm-hmm. Knee deep in poop. Right. For as far as the eye can see. All right. That's not Alcatraz. That's a turd. <laughs> a giant <laughs> <laughs> Did not know that that island yeah, there's was a made tidal of wash that makes it all accumulate right there. Okay. Uh, all right. Makes total sense. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the pair went public with their romance in November. Uh, the 47-year-old artist previously told Vogue of her romance with Reeves, who is 55. Uh, love at every level is deeply important to my identity. How's that for dodging the question? Well. I do not believe that isolation is the way. There is a period of isolation that I do as a painter, but I deeply value the experience of being in relationships. Is there uh, some yeah. of the, uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, you know, just improv that you have been known to, uh, been been come to, to known, known as? as? To work with that? You work with that. <laughs> All right, so Kathy heard me cursing loudly in the office this morning. Yes. Uh, Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale, oh, the, new, right. the new teaser uh, trailer came out. Yeah. And I was loving what I was seeing. Yeah. Oh. I love this show. It's my wife and I. Right. We absolutely love this show. So where are you cursing? At the end, it said, coming in 2021. What? Dude. Come well, on. come pa- on. Things had to. I yeah, know. I know. I know. I know. I, I didn't know. God, <laughs> season four already? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So... The new teaser sets up the action after June was shot and led to safety. What happens in the next few weeks will determine the future of this country, according to the... Uh, I understand that the floor is lava is very similar, Preston. It's just yeah. like on Netflix. Uh, watch that last night. Uh, What'd you think? I just watched one episode and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop now. You liked it, it huh? so much fun. All right. Okay. Yeah. Nick, Nick, Nick Murphy was loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's... it's and. The, the production level on it and the music and the way they set it up, it's 
It's great. Okay. It's All great. Right. I'm on board. I, I, I love it. All right. So, so anybody that has not watched any episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, listen, it is a great show, but it is a really tough show to binge. Agreed. Kind of like, slow. Uh, kind of like Ozark, you know? Uh, it's slow. It's dark, like the you know whatever filter they're using. So pa- you know, so while, pa- so pace it. Pace I, it I think definitely. that's it's good to give advice like that because some people will suggest shows to yeah. binge that are not meant for binging. Don't yeah. do. I would say don't do more than two hours at a time. Do two episodes max at a time. Right. And and now Wait, that we, what, we find it's out, so depressing. Well, yeah. And also the yeah. pacing they're saying. Yeah, yeah. With with the the dialogue and the delivery of it is kind of slow. There's a lot okay. of setup. But Kathy, what what drives it for me. Is just the effed up concept of it okay. all. It's just like, whoa, man! the The idea of this society blows me away. So, uh, take that. It, it, it's really heavy, heavy drama, but it's pretty intense. That's funny that you say that, though, Case. That you can't binge it because I just for the first time felt that way about a show, and it was defending Jacob. I could only watch yeah. one episode at a time. Like that was enough. Then you had to take a break, and I'd come back a few days and watch another one. Yeah, so that one, they did like a Hulu recipe, right? They they dropped three episodes or something like that, and then every week a you know, did, did a different episode. So I was able to do the same thing. Yeah, and um, it was fine that way. You don't yeah. need to binge that show. Uh, so Bradley Whitford is the one who says what happens in the next few weeks will determine the, the future of this country. He's great in that, too. The show will bow next year. Hmm. But I am holding on to the fact that uh, next month, I think it's next month is Umbrella Academy. Comes Umbrella out. Academy, nice. And I'm very much looking. And I think 2021 now is the pushback date for the boys. Uh, Ooh, pushback wait, years. Uh, well, just the fact that it's coming. Yeah, yeah. Is that <laughs> that's a messed up this show too. Messed what, up superhero. What are show. you the most excited for? Well, Stranger Things. What's that? Isn't Stranger that? Things is this year. Uh, yeah. Is it this Halloween, year? Halloween, right? Isn't yeah. That what we, okay. What we heard? okay. I don't know. I don't know, wow, that's a really good question. For me personally, probably Handmaid's Tale, but then Stranger Things is so much fun. Season three was great. Yeah. All the seasons were great. But now we know we're going to have a um, Soviet Russia thing going on. Yes, yes. But The Boys, I, that that one I'm really excited about too. That, that, that one hit me out of nowhere. Yeah. First episode, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is different. Do, Do yourself a favor <laughs> and just watch the first episode. Ten minutes yeah. of the first episode of The Boys. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And you'll be hooked. All right. Uh, Will Smith and Warner Brothers might find themselves courtside over the studio's upcoming film, King Richard. It follows the life of tennis greats Venus and Serena Williams' father, Richard Williams. Uh, TW3 Entertainment and Power Move Multimedia filed a lawsuit for, among other things, breach of contract on Wednesday against Will Smith's Overbrook Entertainment Production Company and Warner Brothers as well as Richard Williams himself huh. uh, and his son and the production company, Star Thrower Entertainment. What was the, uh, so what's the issue here? The complaint reads, this case represents an unfortunate and tawdry situation. I hate tawdry things. The cold and calculating misappropriation and interference with plaintiff's intellectual property. So TW3 Entertainment argues in the complaint that it had purchased the motion picture rights to any film based in whole or in part on Richard Williams' life story or his book. Well, can Will Smith kind of do a runaround on this and not make it King Richard, make it King Ralph, make it the sequel? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> King Ralph too. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He could. I mean, if you have all that stuff in place. Yeah. What if you did that and then 
It had nothing to do with the first movie, and it was all about the, the Williams. <laughs> I don't know. What was yeah. the, uh, Steve, what was the biopic on 30 Rock for Janis Joplin? It was like J- G- Jamie Jorp Jomp or Joplin. something? Janis Joplin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, that, Preston, uh, th- that was one of the funniest things you'll ever see. They they convince, they, they rewrite all the Wikipedia information on Janis Joplin, so when she's doing her research... <laughs> Uh, to, to this movie role, all the information is completely incorrect. But they couldn't oh. get the rights from right. Janis Joplin's it, estate, so they had to change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Janis Joplin. That's funny. <laughs> all right, uh, a couple other quick things. North America's largest film festival is going virtual. The Toronto Film Festival announced that the uh, show will go online September 10th through the 19th. Among the early movies confirmed for inclusion per deadline, Kate Winslet star uh, Ammonite, uh, I guess is how you say that? I don't know. Uh, another round, Concrete Cowboy with Idris Elba, Fauna from uh, director Nicholas uh, Pereira, uh, Good Joe Bell. Good Joe Good Bell. Good Joe Bell, our boss? Joe wow. Bell is our group manager here. Oh, my God. Wh- it's a sequel to Goodwill Hunting. Wow. Wait, it stars Mark Wahlberg. What? what? As Joe Bell? What? No Get way. Get out of here. Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah, You, right? you know Joe gets that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Marky Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. No. That's because he walks around going, pow, pow. all the time. Pow. Hey, you're a fly, honey. Yeah. In the hallway, sometimes we All think that. it's Mark Wahlberg. Hey, Marky Mark. <laughs> you want some good vibrations? It's pop. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's funny. Good Joe Bell. Okay. Uh, and there's a bunch of others. Uh, about 50 filmmakers and actors will help uh, the festival deliver its program. So that's that's it's really funny to <laughs> us, just to let you know, because Joe Bell. Looks just yeah. like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> well, if you just keep telling him. I, I told you guys about my uh, friend that uh, we just over the years we would periodically have so, girls go up and tell him that he looks like Brad Pitt. Oh. So that he now he actually thinks that he resembles Brad Pitt. A you little guys bit. really did that. Mm-hmm. That is a great idea. <laughs> that is an excellent idea. You can and, wage. You can wage sort of a, a, a war. Not a, uh-huh. it's, oh. it's a mental experiment. Yeah. Oh, that's. Excellent. I mean, and it was years later. I was like, anybody ever tell you you? Kind of look like Brad Pitt. He goes, yeah, believe it or not, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> and did you ever, did you ever fess? No. No? No. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> oh, that is a great long-term scam. Oh, so good. Okay. One last story. Netflix reports that the company's 183 million subscribers are watching more international fare during the coronavirus lockdown. Uh, CEO Reed Hastings said that La Casa de Papel, <sighs> which is also known as the Monkey Heist, uh, has managed to garner 65 million eyeballs. Could you really watch the Monkey Heist? And uh, that Germany's... Hey, look at that monkey took a banana. <laughs> Isn't it the Money Heist? Money Heist. <laughs> where did you get the monkey from? Perhaps the monkey is stealing the money. I told you to take the money, not the monkey! <laughs> What am I going to do with all these monkeys? <laughs> the monkey has eaten the money. <laughs> you told you not to put the bananas in the same bag with the money. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my God, Preston, I'm sorry. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> We've got the monkeys. Come again? <laughs> We've got the monkeys. Right here on this paper, it says monkey heist. <laughs> La Casa de Papel means money heist. Money. Money. I would like to watch the monkey heist. 
<laughs> well, who wouldn't? Oh, God. <laughs> and also, Germany's Unorthodox. I think I got that one yeah, right. Yeah. And Italy's Summertime are doing well on uh, Netflix. So. God damn it. What are we going to do with all these monkeys? <laughs> Internationals. Listen, you can make money from monkeys. Sure you can. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do <laughs> clips. Why not? <laughs> a group <laughs> a group of nuclear war survivors on a spaceship uh, sent a group of juvenile delinquents back to Earth in hopes of repopulating the planet in the 100. Oh, my God. Here star uh, Marie Avgaropoulos. Discusses wrapping up shooting uh, the final season right before quarantine. The final season. The final season. I've never heard of this in my life. We've talked about it many times. And every time we talk about it, it actually gets good reviews, but let her in. All right. We finished shooting um, on a Saturday when they kind of shut down the world on the Friday, I I recall. So instead of, like, allowing us to have a wrap party on the Saturday, they said, no wrap party, not allowed. You're shooting on Saturday. We got to figure out the hundredth episode of the hundred, and then that was it. Shut the f- up. Uh, the final season of One Hundred airs Wednesday, eight o'clock, and that's on the CW. We've <laughs> talked about this for years. It's terrible. I and never remember it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next clip. Jerry Seinfeld tackles life's woes while performing in New York City in his latest stand-up special, 23 Hours to Kill. In this clip, Jerry discusses jumping out of a helicopter in the opening sequence. Here it is. I don't know why I didn't think that would be that big a deal. But when we got down to doing it, it was a lot scarier than I thought it was going to be. I thought, well, it's water. I'm going to jump in the water. You know, what's the big deal? But when you're up, I think we were about 40 feet up, uh, I really had a... Follow hard and just do it. Shut up, dummy. <laughs> uh, 23 Hours to Kill is streaming now on Netflix, by the way. And that's it. That's all I got for you. Your entertainment report for Thursday morning, June 25th. Let's take a break. We're going to have uh, Brian Boucher, formerly of the Flyers, on. There was a big um, event back in 2000 when they were in the playoffs with the Penguins. And there was a game. It was game number three. Went five overtimes. Is that the longest NHL game of all time? It it's was at the point. Up there. I, I don't know if anything has passed it since then, but at that time, it was the longest uh, modern-day NHL game in, in history. Uh, and in honor of that, they're going to replay the game tonight, so we're going to talk to Bush, who, by the way, was in net for all, the whole thing. all mm-hmm. eight periods. So uh, we'll talk to him a little bit later on. We'll take a break and come back in a second. Make sure you stay with us. What's new? Why do you ask? The Black Keys. The Pretty Reckless. Five Finger Death Punch. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. An interesting thing. There's so many weird things that have happened with, with coronavirus, COVID-19, however you want to package it. Um, there have been, you know, some industries that that have been uh, doing terribly, and then there are some that are actually booming, and they're busier than they've ever been. It's just you, nobody could have predicted what would be benefiting and what, no, would, uh, what no. would be going the other way. You're absolutely right, and it's it's astonishing. So here's something that we didn't think about. You know, like the whole toilet paper fiasco. Yeah. Um, pocket change yeah. has apparently 
become a short. There's a huge shortage of, of change. Really? really? Because, because people like, aren't using it. I have like a purse filled with it. Oh, I guess that's why. Right. Yeah, yeah, because it's in my it. purse. Yeah, it's and, in your purse. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. So I, I've only been paying by credit, and I've been, a lot of the stuff that I've normally been paying cash for, uh, like you know. Uh, Food at Wawa lunch, things like that. I've been bringing my own lunch, so I've, I've been and, and doing a lot of online shopping and stuff like that. So Ooh. my cash exchange has been, <laughs> yeah, my cash exchange <laughs> has been very small. When I come home from work every day, I unload my pocket change. We have this gigantic mason jar. It's like five gallons. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. And then like every three or four years, we go and change it in. And yeah. It's you know it's like over a thousand dollars worth of change. So I haven't been doing that. Of I course, thrown any change, and in you're there not putting it back all. into the system. Yeah, yeah. So, but there are some things though. But obviously, I still I still buy my smack and I pay for my hookers with cash. You okay. have to, yeah. but yeah. nobody yeah. makes yeah. change in that. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. right. So like, Sorry, the hookers bro. definitely not what? giving you change. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> banks around the U.S. Mm. are running out of of nickels, dimes, quarters, and even pennies. No kidding. And the Federal Reserve, which supplies banks, has been forced to ration their supplies. Huh. Uh, according to Gay Dempsey, who runs the Bank of Lincoln County in Tennessee, nobody was expecting it. Dempsey's bank typically dispenses four to 500 rolls of pennies each week, and under the rationing order, her allotment was cut down to just 100 rolls with similar cutbacks in dimes, nickels, and quarters. So Republic Bank is the only bank that I know of that will uh, that has those change-counting things that doesn't charge you if you're not a bank member, Right. Um, yeah, we it, used to. We used to. Our, our bank stopped doing that. Yeah, ours did too. And it pissed me off because they had this cool little thing that would light up and it looked like a little carnival. The kids would do it, <laughs> yeah. and now it just sits there. Nothing's happening. Why yeah, did the, they take those away? That was like know. kind I of don't silly. Know. Uh, but I do. I have the same thing as you, Preston. I have a giant five gallon thing, and I ended up uh, uh, last year. I I changed all my exchanged all my money at the Republic Bank. Seven hundred and some odd dollars. Whoa. So uh, yeah, I know. Wow. But I wonder if oh, I'm sorry, real quick. How much did it weigh? A lot. Oh yeah. God, it's so heavy. the thing is, I had to at some point, uh, Nick. I had to take all the all the change out, and I ended up putting it into different um, uh, coffee containers because yeah. <laughs> after a while, because it's glass, the, the weight of the change will actually kind of it'll break it. So yeah. oh, wow. they they say once you get past like a quarter filled, that you should probably. Drop really? it off the roof. Yeah. Okay. I fill it all the way up. And, and yours is glass? Yeah, and we've had it, it for years and years. But huh. when we have to move it, yeah, you got to scoop a bunch of the it out. The whole family mm-hmm. has to come Yeah, out. everybody's involved. Come on, kids. Get... Coin scooping time. <laughs> because, Casey, we usually, it's over $1,000. So some uh, yeah. $1,200 oh it's been. And one year it was 1500 I mean, this is over... Years. You're collecting for three or four years. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Mine has like matchbox cars in it, fake <laughs> oh, yeah. coins from yeah. the cash register. <laughs> Kathy, I uh, this is a long time ago. I was at the bank and I'm and I'm dumping all this change into. There was pot in there. <laughs> do, they, do they have a pot machine in the bank? I was like, oh my god, yeah. this yeah. is an extra fifty dollars. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. it weighs it in yeah. grams, yeah. Steve, and I, you get the equivalent. I want to convert this eight ball to uh, cash, please. <laughs> it was I, stems and seeds and buds. Yeah, yeah. And every, I was like, oh my god. I went to the I went to a bank yesterday, and I don't know if everybody's doing this or just the bank that I went to, but um, they the doors are locked. Like you can't just walk. No, you can't. into the bank. You have to call for an appointment and let them know you're coming. Okay, All yeah, right. or throw. A garbage can to the window. Right. I'm, I'm going to go to an anonymous caller about the coin rationing. Hi, you're on the air, anonymous caller. Hi, good morning, Gadzooks, bitches. Gadzooks <laughs> to you, bitch. All right, so what's uh, what's the story with the change where you work? 
Yeah, so actually I do work for a large corporate bank. We have a very large presence in the Philadelphia area, and it's true. Um, the U.S. Mint has not been able to produce any coin since mid-March when everybody shut down. So when you can't produce coin, there's nothing being circulated. And then also with all the businesses being shut down, no coin is being circulated. So essentially now that everything's starting to open back up, the Mint needs to quote-unquote catch up. But there isn't any coin. So they're only trying they, – they only have what they were able to produce up until mid-March. Wow. So now that you have businesses opening up and everything. Um, so the particular location that I work for used to get boxes, right. boxes of coin for like a week, one box per branch per week. Okay, wow. that's wild. So, so it's for the longest crazy. time there's been a push, uh, anonymous caller, to, to try to uh, – Go away to to get rid of pennies. To get rid of pennies and, yeah. and certain coins and even paper currency and everything. No. Uh, now, you... paper paper currency is okay. Paper currency is, right. is still in circulation. It's just you're worried. I mean, even like my one particular client that I do support, they use dollars and half dollars. I'm like, dude, we have like boxes of those. Nobody uses those. It's your quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies okay. that, that you're concerned about. Yeah, so it's it's your it's your main coin, particularly quarters, because that's what you use at like vending machines. That's what you use for for games when you when you when you play uh, you know games down the shore. So it's like you really have to think about those type of people. So if you have four thousand dollars worth of change, please deposit it. Ah, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. All right. We can do that. All so right. the, the the bitch is though. Thank you. Uh, with the, we need those yeah, machines. Where do we do we it? need those damn machines. Those I coin know. star machines. Well, the, yeah, like because I, no rolling change well, is a freaking nightmare. Well, we need them without the surcharge. Yeah. that's the thing because they they have them at, at local grocery stores that we can go to. What we did find out though is instead of the uh, instead of taking that uh, that surcharge, they were offering up um, uh, uh, like gift cards. You okay. What it, is the surcharge? Or, a no, lot? wait, wait, no. The surcharge was in it. Instead of getting cash, we had to get gift cards. That's what. It is, was. It, so, is it a lot of money? Uh, it's ten percent. Yeah. Well, you so, can go like the one that's a supermarket. The one that yeah. I go to the supermarket, you put the coins in, and produce comes out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We got to get Kathy. Cards up to, you know, for perspective, if you if you have a thousand dollars worth of coins, it's a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. And that's a lot. For that's why your chain. Republic Bank is the only bank, and there's one right around the corner from us. So there's one in Winwood. Um, that's all. And listen, I don't, I don't, it's, I got no, I got no skin in the game. It's not like they're my bank of choice. They're just the only bank in the area that I know of that doesn't charge you anything for your change. Nick, what is this article about here you pulled up? So uh, TD Bank, among others, was sued because uh, they were shortchanging people, no no pun intended, for um, the amount that they were putting in. So there was this class action suit uh, against the TD Bank, which is a Canadian bank. I didn't know that. Uh, and um, they, they, they took to, all of them out, they right? They had to remove yeah. all of the machines from their branches. You know what? And it was probably some people who, you know, literally were nickel and diming. Yeah. Uh, maybe because I can't see them really missing by a huge yeah, mark. Yeah, you put in 200 pounds of change and you get five bucks back. If I'm, if I'm putting my money in, I'm expecting there's going to be a margin of error. Yes, of it's know? fine, for, yeah. especially for being able to take yes. your 1,400 pounds of change. Yeah. In fact, when we went by our bank and, and we brought all our change with us and we walk in and I'm like, where are the change machines? Bingo. And they're like, no, we don't do it anymore. And they, they go... We can give you some of the sleeves to roll them yourself. I remember no, doing that. Are you kidding me? I remember doing that as a kid. I, I do would, too. I would roll I want my sleeves own to roll them myself. <laughs> wow. I want the colorful decorated machine that goes bing bing when I put the change in. 
But I would have to put my account number on each one, and if it was short, oh. they would deduct it from, or, you know, oh, if, if, really? if there was a difference in any way, yeah, they would they would deduct it from your account. I remember one time between jobs years ago when I went to a super, that Coinstar machine saved my life. I grabbed every bit of, you know, I was, yeah. I was looking to make a bill, a payment, and uh, I got, yeah. I didn't get paid for work that I had done, and so that obviously that chain reaction takes place. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I went to the supermarket and converted the change, and I was pulling from everywhere, and I left with hundreds of dollars worth of you know bills. I yeah. got the money back, but I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it's real money. It is real money, <laughs> but I, as opposed to <laughs> yeah. what are you going to go in? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to put two hundred dollars worth of coins in the, in the mail and send it to you. Right? Uh, no, it's real money, and we treat it, or at least I treated it like found money, like. Um, so yeah. I don't know when you you know yeah. traded in your thousand dollars to change it. What you did with it? Like if everybody got a, like a treat, or if you bought something for the family, or um, I don't remember, but it was something family oriented yes. that we were going to do with that loosely so, reinforcement. Yeah, for everybody. <laughs> we no. we usually do it before a vacation. <laughs> yeah, right. I, you know what? And I think that's what it was. I, I think, think we, I think I we think spent I that on the vacation. It, it ends up being the vacation fun for a lot of people, or just something yeah. you know fun. I would have never. Like, in the beginning of Caddyshack, it's put put the change in the college fund. Yeah, <laughs> would throw I would have never in there. thought though that like co- like that there would be a shortage in coins. I mean, like I've gone to the store and been surprised at what they don't like. Yesterday, I went to um, Home Depot and I'm like, "Do you have the tomato cages?" And the guy was like, <laughs> he laughed at me. He's like, "They fly off you the shelves." Dumb bitch. I was yeah. like, I had no idea that. We couldn't get vegetable cages. Well, those yeah, the things that are that people are now gravitating to because they're 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 at staying home. at home and doing yeah. things and doing garden that makes sense. But the the shortage of coins absolutely makes sense. That's the first thing they told us. Well, try to refrain from using money because that's obviously a conveyor yeah. of the of the germs. Right, right. I'm going to go to Rich who works at the Mint. Hi, Rich. Good morning. Good morning, Gadzooks. Yeah, How you doing, sir? I'm good. Excellent. Yeah, so, they're, so you work at the you work the one in Center City. Yeah, no, there's there's really there's never been a shutdown. We uh, we had some alternating uh, schedules, but they've been making money since this whole thing started. Okay, but uh, man, they're uh, printing I mean, money. What they're what they're doing is they're they're still trying to keep up with the demand. So there's like a hiring blitz going on. So if people are interested, they can oh. go to usajobs.com. Ah. No kidding, at the mint. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do, what do you do there, Rich? Uh, I'd rather not say, but, okay. you know, it's, you know, That's all right. Listen, if you wouldn't mind, I've been there before. I took a tour of the facility one time. Yeah. Can you have them dress it up a little bit? I was a little <laughs> underwhelmed. Really? Was it I was yeah, unimpressive? I you know what's funny is they just put $7 million into that like eight years ago. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, they have a roller coaster. It was a long time ago <laughs> that went, and I, and I remember being excited to go because I love that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, so do I. I. And I was very underwhelmed with it. So. This yeah, stinks. The tour, the tour, the tour stinks. kind of like hokey, but, you know, it's it great. It stinks. You know? <laughs> Uh, right. What did you think of our tour, sir? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, thanks, man. We'll have to re- revisit that. But I remember, like, the displays were really outdated. There was, like, old wood grain paneling and stuff. I'm like, this yeah. is the U.S. The guy has the man. cigarette in his mouth. What'd you think? Yeah. There's only a handful of these in the handful of these in the country. The Franklin Mint's gone, by the way. Have you uh, driven down Route 1? Oh, did they tear it down? Gone, man. Yeah, really? Are they, are they expanding the Wawa campus there? Because that <sighs> Wawa campus gets bigger and bigger every year. I thought there was residential stuff Maybe. going on. 
going on back there. But that, that yeah, that that I part know, of Route One is a mess right now. That Franklin Mint building stayed up twenty years after that thing yeah. shut down, and it was cool. It was a cool design to the building. Wow. You remember? Man, my grandmother when she ran out of things to do, she would take me there and uh, to the museum. Yeah, I got to <laughs> please oh. get lost. <laughs> please. <laughs> There's a stranger there. Go touch his knee. Yeah, that's what Ruth would do. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Good morning. I'm gonna go look at the plates. Hey, yeah, do that. Hey, what, Michelle? How you doing? Awesome. This is my first time on the air. I feel like a kid. Right now. Well, listen, we we need a better. Hey, what? You guys were okay, talking. Yeah, yeah. So, say say hey, bitches again, please. Hey, bitches. Hey, what? There you go, Michelle. You deserved it. All right. So you wanted to mention something about the coin collecting. Yeah, so um, actually my brother collected quarters growing up, so we always had one of those huge blue water jugs that you usually have in an office. Sure. Yeah, they're great. And we used to fill that, and we would go through it so he could get, like, all the state quarters, but we filled it to the tippy top a couple of times. Wow. Um, The first time we did it, it was over $5,000. Wait, are you only putting quarters in there? Is that what you said? Well, we would go go through to get the quarters. Get them out. Okay. He would collect all the state quarters, so it was just always change. I think, you know, my parents helped us, so, you know, we, if we ever had change, and, you know, whenever my dad would, like, fall asleep on the couch, we'd take the coins out of the couch and, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and Michelle, you never, you never think of that, um, that, you know, the coins that you're looking at or you're dismissing or putting in the barrel or putting in the tray when you're coming in and out as one day being $5,000, but, but it does eventually. Absolutely. I mean, because you, you would rather have a dollar than four quarters most of the time. <laughs> right. So, you know, you, you get to that point, you're like, oh, my God, like, this is actually worth some money. Like, <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Five grand. That's a hell of a take, man. Well, you know, it's like that. The app, I guess, is it Ashton Kutcher is one of the investors in is the it? app, the Acorn, Acorn app. Acorn app. Yeah. Right. Um, Nick Murphy does it. He loves it. He swears by it. Right. So it'll it'll round off the, the percentage of anything that you're purchasing and take the change that'd be that to the highest figure yeah, yep. yeah. and then donate, donate that yeah, yeah. my uh, my grandfather actually ruth's husband steve uh the one that would <laughs> drop me off at the franklin uh, mint uh he was a coin collector and when when he passed away which was like 1983 i inherited his coin collection is and it I, worth anything I, I probably but i have not looked at it in 20 25 years right and i have it i have it at home um and it's just one of those things that right now it's just sitting in a container in the it's house too but, painful right no, no, no it's, it's probably worse it's gotta be you'll always remember me by these coins <laughs> <laughs> i uh don't the- spend any of them steal your christmas trees from public land remember that yeah <laughs> Learned a lot from it. <laughs> but, you know, some of those, I, I find the history of it pretty fascinating. And there, there was a stretch where, like, if there was a little P on it, it meant that it was printed and, uh, and yeah. minted. And I'm going to piss on these. <laughs> now, watch carefully. These are the ones I'm going to piss on. You remember these. If you ever want to remember me, you take a whiff of that. It'll smell like meat. The letter P. Oh, Pennsylvania. I said that. D for Denver. Yes. Okay. Hey, I said a little P on there. Though. You don't, there's another P, but don't touch those. <laughs> but I think during... Those are the mostly the copper-based brown coins. Right. I'm going to get this wrong, but like during World War II, they were all silver. They were, you know, the nickels became silver, stuff like, you know. Right. That, did, that, he have the, did he have the anomalous coins, Nick, where they, yeah. they, they do a run of a coin and there was an era in it and stuff like that? You know what? I'll look for it when I yeah. get home. I'd, I'd be curious. Yeah. There were coins that uh, were different um, metals because of World War II. They needed certain metals. Right. Styrofoam or, coins. Yeah. <laughs> Those were not worth as yes. much in the long run. <laughs> 
You got to be careful because they're crumbling. <laughs> just crumbling, yeah. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You can look on the side of a quarter and you can see there's two different shades of uh, right. of the metal. And they use, uh, you know. Like zinc in the middle or whatever. I used to have Argentium. a full, I used to have a full solid silver quarter from, I think it might have been like 1965 or something like that. Dude, I held I, on what, to for a long time. I'll still find a 50 cent piece and get excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. a bigger. Oh, I it's, like It's the, only 50 cents. I love the Sagajewea coins, yeah. man. The gold ones, those yes. are the dollar coins. Those are they're, awesome. They're, they're cool. Case, yeah. what's the name of the? So, because I know people are going to start to, Republic uh, Bank. Republic Bank. So, yeah. W- yeah, these things are. If you can get these coins back into circulation, yeah. we're hearing it'll it'll make a big difference. But obviously, you don't want to get want with that heavy surcharge. Two dollar bills. You guys still get two dollar oh, bills? Sure. Yeah, rarely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but that you know happens. what's on the back? Sometimes, uh, uh, yes, the Jefferson Airplane. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Paul Cantner and Grace Slick. Wait a minute, I do know this. Well, Jefferson's on Jefferson's the front. Jefferson's on the front, yeah. and on the back, it's not... Arnold Ziffel. No. <laughs> Give me a hint. It's a, a ceremony. It's not like a building. A oh, it's signing of the Declaration oh, of Independence. Independence yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's well not, a, not a bris. It's not a bris. <laughs> a bris. <laughs> What's with this... There's a rabbi on the back of this bill. <laughs> Why is this here? My cousin likes to get those. Whenever he goes to the bank, he'll always get like a couple hundred of, of twos if they have them because he likes to leave those as, as tip money. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a little treat. Uh, let me go. It's a little treat. Let me go. It's a little currency you won't use and no one likes that. Let me go to Mike. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, what's up, buddy? Ah. Congratulations. <laughs> hey. So it says here you used to work at uh, at TD Bank with the coin machines and all that. Yes, I did. Years ago, I used to work there, and it was so funny because people would come in with buckets and buckets of quarters, milk jugs, water jugs. People would get coins out of water fountains, everything else, and dump it into the machines. Yeah. As employees, we had to go in there. When it would get stuck, we would find nuts, bolts, <laughs> nails. The machine would get wet from wet coins, and we would have to go in there and pull everything out and try and reset everything. But we would have people who would come in and complain if it was one penny off. Seriously, of what they thought the amount. Mike, so I use so when I would use the machines, um, I would as with Preston. You assume it's going to be off a little bit, yeah. but that's if, your if, surcharge. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, okay, it won't be one hundred percent accurate. If you got me ninety-five percent accuracy, I'd be okay with that. Correct. But, but, but no. So let me ask you: How often would the machines get mucked up? How often would you have to fix them? Um, at least two or three times an hour. Two or three times an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Any any time I've gone in with those large amounts, Steve, yeah. there's always a time where the machine like will seize up, and you got to get a manager or somebody to help out. It's such a great sound. The clink, 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 clink. Oh, I do love that. Yeah, it's like you're at a casino, but you yeah. know you're going to win. Yeah. yeah. And the worst part is, is like, yeah, she would get kids that would come in, but they would drop coins in with bubble gum on it, Ugh, and yeah. all that stuff would get mucked up in the machinery. So yes, it would give an off count because it would not. Uh, be able to count things accurately because things were getting stuck. Let me ask, one of the, oh, maybe you uh, know this. If you were to bring, if you bring your, where is there a public facility you can bring your change to have it redeemed for cash? Well, I mean, besides the, a bank. Well, yeah, the the supermarket. My yeah, Acme. Besides, ha- I mean, is there is there like you couldn't bring it to the treasury, for example? Right? Oh. Well. <laughs> Unfortunately, banks will not accept loose coins anymore. Um, they, they will tell you that you need to have them rolled up. 
Um, oh, yeah. eBay was one of the only banks that would allow customers and non-customers come in with a bucket of coins and be able to dump it in. And if you were a customer, you did not get the surcharge. If you were a customer, it was a free service. So what's the best? This used to be all the rage. It'd be something that people would get all the time for Christmas. You know, those home coin counting machines. (laughs) We got one of those. Carter wanted one of those, and we used it once. (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing. Yep, me and my four-year-old daughter just did uh, the coin little jar from Sharper Image, and we sat there for about three hours putting in about $8 worth of coins one by one. Oh. Yeah, so no, F that. Can, oh. Is there a machine that you can uh, not only just coin counting, but it would actually put it into the little coin slips? That the co- yeah, about? the coin counter machines would okay. do it. Yeah. The, the yeah. home the, units. The, you, uh-huh. you, you, put the, uh, you put the little rolls underneath yeah. in these little tubes, and then you turn the crank, and it'll sift through and send them into the problem. And then you have ice cream. And they have ice cream. I like ice cream. All right, thank you. You do. <laughs> thank you, Mike. No. Can you convert this to ice cream? Um, There's the a simple-minded fellow out there who thinks we can convert this to ice cream. TD Bank has the best pens. Do they? Right. Yes. Okay. Cool. They do. Thank you, Kathy. You know what? These pens are awesome. I'm you have great you, pens, guys. I'm telling you, I had to go to Citizens yesterday, and I was like, man, I should have opened the account at TD Bank. I could have grabbed one of those pens. <laughs> That's oh, right. Man. I'm not kidding you. It went through my head. Uh, do, you want, uh, uh, do you want a Casey Boy pen? I, I had a whole bunch yeah, of Casey I do Boy. Want, I, I don't yeah. have one of those over Casey here. Boy pens? He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his greeting card. Instead not, of his, his business card. <laughs> greeting card. Happy birthday. No, I, uh, instead of doing a business sure card, I, I decided to have pens printed up because people throw away business cards, yeah. and they and don't they throw away pens. pens. <laughs> and they lose pens. Uh, so, you no. have you been handing them, them them out, or they just No, because we went into well, a quarantine and haven't really had an opportunity yeah. to. Right, well, That's a great idea, idea, though. I yeah. needed it a is. good pen. You know what you need? Go to my, my local bank has a pen counting machine, which is great. <laughs> and it's ergonom- ergonomically designed, too. It's got a little it does. slenderness in the middle. Notice and, the uh, colors. <clears throat> Oh, green. Yeah. Eagles. No. Did, like, green and silver. Like, filled yeah. up the Eagles. <laughs> what if um, you did Cowboys blue? <laughs> oh, my God. Oops. Marissa. I actually don't like the TD Bank pens, what? but oh. Univest has the pens. No wonder that, Kathy hates like, you. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Kathy, How could you not like TD Bank's pens? They're a little too big for me. Well, uh, give me all your TD okay, Bank pens. But Hang Univest on. has ones like Casey, and I dare you to go to First Trust because <laughs> they have actually nice pens that have a stylus on them. Oh. So it's a multi-functional. Okay. <laughs> Pen. They have a stylus on them. Yes. Wow. No, so, she said stylist. She did say that. She didn't did, she? So yeah. it's is it a hairstylist or? <laughs> yeah, Angela okay. actually comes with every pen. Kathy, I think you have a TD Bank. Pen? I think I might have it. Chris just in picked my, up his pen caddy in my briefcase here, and I think it doesn't work anymore. I was so oh, upset. No. I pulled it out. I'm like, I'm pulling out my special pen. <laughs> and hang on, let me see. You know what? I might have thrown it away. No, <gasps> I saved it. Oh, hang on. You have it? <laughs> no, it is a it's a Caldwell Bank. Oh. Look at that beauty! And it's it it had it wrote so smoothly, but I haven't used it in ages. Wait, it's writing again. You're doing it. Doing it. Doing it. (laughs) It's kind of half-ass working. I hate that. That sucks, man. All right. Well, anyhow, whatever happened with Jackie Bam Bam and all the pens that he chews? Oh, I don't know. They're still there. Okay. (laughs) I I took I took a picture of one that he just completely (laughs) obliterated a few months ago. This is before the pandemic. You know what um, we need to do? We need to get we need to get metal pens that look like they're plastic. <laughs> yeah, and, and have them crack his teeth in out. the studio. Maybe we'll train him to stop chewing you, on the pens. He wouldn't be able to chew on the TD Bank pen. Is it metal? It, it's no, it's not. hard plastic. It's, it's hard plastic, but okay. it doesn't have that lid where he's he's chewing off. Wait, does he still hide them? Uh, yeah, I think I think that he's yeah because okay. he's the only one that he can actually see it. 
Cause and he denies all. it's him, right? He did for the longest time. He's like, it's not me. Oh, yes, it is. It is you. Like, why? It continues. Okay. Hey, I want to go to this call because Barry uh, works on the Franklin Mint Project. All right. Uh, so let's double back to that for a second. Hi. Uh, good morning, Barry. Hi, am I on the radio? Yes. Sweet. Excellent. What's up, man? Uh, yeah, so I'm the uh, civil engineer on the uh, Franklin Mint Redevelopment Project. Um, so tons of stuff going on there. One is the uh, SEPTA. Um, they're doing a new uh, train station. Yes. So that's really? Extending the, uh, yeah, so that's extending the uh, Media Elwin line. Wow. To Middletown Township. Wow, Okay. So that's the first one, and then right next to that is uh, residential development. Um, so uh, they just opened that up. That's all now for sale. And, like, some of those streets in that residential development, uh, we named them after, like, figures of the Franklin Mint. Oh, cool. Um, so, like, uh, remember that big medallion on the uh, museum? That yes. Big, uh, cir- circular building? Yep, the, so, that like, was that, the, the that museum guy, part, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we saved that medallion. It'll be used in the development somewhere. Uh, And then we took that guy's name. And uh, so he was the original engraver of the uh, JFK half dollar Yeah, uh, back in the 60s. So, like, we named some of the streets after him and Kennedy and uh, all this other stuff. Hey, Barry, uh, as as a civil engineer, is there anything that you can do about that traffic buildup that happens uh, going southbound on Route 1. I mean, honestly, around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it backs up from 452 all the way past the Y, and it gets really, really bad. And I know that when they were talking about doing what you guys are doing now, people were against it because it was going to make traffic worse. Are you guys addressing that issue at all? Yeah, so I think you're talking northbound, like towards Philadelphia. Yeah, you're heading northbound, but the traffic goes... Backs up southbound. Yeah, so part of the uh, redevelopment is going to have a um, uh, like a separate collector road um, where you can jump off of Baltimore Pike Route One to make your way to 452 to uh, get uh, so that you don't have to wait in that traffic light. Okay, because it's bad. I mean, it's really, really bad, and I would. uh, Sound like I was a big time gym goer to begin with, but I would definitely avoid going to the the Rocky Run Y and in and around those. You times. didn't want to. Well, be, no, because I didn't want to. Wait, was, but what it, do you mean northbound traffic backs up southbound? Um. All right. So you're heading northbound, right? Yeah. So, but you're sitting backwards but, but in the, the car. But no, the traffic extends extends south. backwards. Yes. You're headed north, but you the, don't the have to say that. Though. Yeah, I yeah, know. I know. <laughs> but I did. I said it that way, and I'm just. I said it. Thank you, Barry. Thanks. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, well, anyhow, the the uh, main focus of this conversation was the fact that um, they're running out of change. There's, a, there's not much pocket change, and they're having to ration it. The Federal Reserve is monitoring it closely. The U.S. Mint produced fewer coins than usual this spring in an effort to protect employees from infection. And the larger problem, as with many pandemic shortages, is the distribution. So a lot of people are hanging on to their coins and they need you, like uh, the caller said earlier, you need to go and you got to get those out into circulation if you can. You know what I got at the beginning of all this stuff? I got one of those UV um, little containers where you put your, your change and your, your your money and your credit cards and your keys and all that stuff in there. And it bombards it with the supposedly disinfecting light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So But, but the, fun, the thing is, I always have cash on me. Yeah, me And too. I've gone now weeks without having actual cash. I have it in my wallet yeah. that hasn't moved in three months. Right, right. The same cash. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How much? 
Uh, $1,000. Uh, $1,000. <laughs> like 40 bucks? Uh, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah, I've got like, uh, yeah, $52. I went to Produce Junction not that long ago, and they only take cash, so I was forced to use some of the, but I'm the same, Preston, like three months, yeah. the same amount of money. Yep. You still owe me $100, do you not? Did we make a bet like a year or two I ago? We no, did. no oh, I think I, I thought I paid that up. It was, uh, it was a Michael Jackson thing, right? What was the Mike? What was the bet? Um, that he was all man. No, no. <laughs> and I won? It had to do with a song. Um, and I was like, I bet you $100 right now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I paid up on that. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, that's what? why you should never bet money because you don't know if you uh, actually paid up or, or you can't. Bet livestock. Your... Yeah, bet. That's the that's way to do it. I definitely have a cow in my backyard. <laughs> Quick story about somebody who owes someone uh, in a bet. Jace owes Matt Cord $50. Whoa. <laughs> your, your son owes, excuse owes, me? Owes, How did that happen? Right? How old is Jace again? He's eight. Okay. Uh, so he he bet Matt Cord. They were on the beach together, <laughs> and he bet Matt Cord uh, that he couldn't score a goal on him. He had a, Jace has a has a goalie net and, and a soccer ball on the and beach. And did $50 fly out of his mouth? Did was that his idea? It was Jace's idea. I'll bet you 50 bucks. Matt got the goal, so Jace owes Matt 50 bucks. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine an eight-year goal and I'll bet you 50 bucks? And then Jace goes, well, we didn't shake on it. Oh, no, 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 no. He's a welcher. He's a welcher. Wow. All right. Listen, we need to take a break. We got some bizarre file stories. We'll get to those when we return. Make sure you stay with us. 93.3 WMMR presents Jackson's Local Shots Artist of the Month, Biker Daughter. Celebrating our area's best talent, bringing it to you on air, online, and in the community. Here and see more at WMMR.com, keyword Local Shots. Biker Daughter, Jackson's Local Shots Artist of the Month. Sponsored by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. All right, let's do the B-File. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre File. We're going to start in Thailand. Residents are hiding behind barricaded uh, indoors as rival monkey gang fights. Oh. Create no-go zones for humans. Well, they're stealing a lot of monkeys. I know there's this movie on Netflix. (laughs) It's called Monkey Heist. Monkey Heist. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ancient Thai city has been overrun by a growing population of monkeys, supercharged on junk food. Oh, my God. As locals try to placate the macaques with snacks. Our demands are simple. We want snacks. Uh, Lots of snacks. The monkeys usually... I, in particular, would appreciate trail mix, as I like sweet and savory. (laughs) The monkeys usually enjoy a steady supply of bananas from tourists who have dwindled amid the pandemic. Pointing out to the overhead netting covering her terrace, a resident said, We live in a cage, but the monkeys live outside. Their excitement. Not so funny anymore, is it? She said, "There's excitement everywhere. The smell is unbearable, especially when it rains." Uh, ex- excrement. Uh, the fearless primates' antics were largely tolerated as a major lure for the tourist hordes who descended on the city before the coronavirus outbreak uh, to feed and take pictures of selfies with the animals. So. A government sterilization campaign is now being waged against the creatures after an epidemic provoked an unexpected change in their behavior. So they're sterilizing the monkeys? Yes, they're trying to do that. So, But listen, as, as foreign, foreign tourism 
which is Thailand's cash cow, seized yeah. up. So did the flow of free bananas tossed their way, prodding so, the macaques to turn to violence. That makes sense. Footage, if they could train these monkeys to roll coins, Preston, we could solve two problems. Uh, footage of hundreds of them brawling over food in the streets went viral on social media in March, and their growing numbers doubling in three years to 6,000 and made wow. uh, an uneasy coexistence with their human peers almost Jeez. intolerable. An abandoned uh, cinema is the macaque's headquarters. Steve, they have a headquarters. Oh, my God. Nearby, a shop owner displays a stuffed tiger and crocodile toys to try and scare off the monkeys. Tonight we're showing Planet of the Apes as an instructional. I hope you all attend. Uh, who regu- my name is Caesar. Who regularly snatch uh, spray paint cans from his store, by the so, way. I, I, I guess they're huffing. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, wow. honestly. Preston, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it's turning We're right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, officials have told people not to panic after a city less than 60 miles from Chernobyl was covered in a giant mushroom-shaped cloud. Why would you panic? Uh, concerns were raised over the huge cloud. It was spotted in the capital, Kiev. Uh, some locals speculate that Russian President Vladimir Putin may have been testing nuclear weapons, while others feared it could be a UFO. Dramatic images show the startling cloud and blue skies over Kiev. And the Ukrainian State Emergency Service later shared photos with the caption, Admit it, who got scared? According to the officials, there was no reason to panic, as the unusual cloud is a rare phenomenon known as an anvil cloud. So there was no reason for any worries. It's quite funny, yes. You see the video on the uh, Russia's funniest home videos. Uh, they added, we have had these types of clouds before above Kiev, Oblast, uh, Ternopil, and Oblast, and Venista. Uh, an anvil cloud, by the way, also called a cumul- cumulonimbus incus, is a cumulonimbus cloud which has a which has reached a stratospheric stability <laughs> and has formed the characteristic flat anvil top shape. I've seen them. Yeah, uh, me I've, too. Yeah, and they they do look mushroom cloudish, and they don't move. They they typically do not move, right. no matter how strong the wind is, and later slowly disappear. It often signifies an oncoming thunderstorm, but it happened over there and kind of freaked him out a little bit. One day, Preston, we should, when everything's passed and you can do a little bit more traveling freely, we need to do our show from Pripyat. Let's go. (laughs) A man whose driver's license was suspended for the next 56 years is again charged with driving with a suspended license. Oh, my God. God. Police say they stopped uh, Robert Albro Jr. in February. His license expired in 1997, and he has eight suspension convictions. His driver's license is suspended until 2076. (sighs) And yet you hear these suspensions, the revocation of license, it doesn't matter for some people. Yep. So uh, last week he was waived a preliminary hearing on the latest charges. Police are investigating after an Amazon delivery driver was caught on camera throwing packages down into a sewer in Maryland. <laughs> Officers were called Sunday after a neighbor called 911 to say an Amazon driver was dropping packages into the sewer. When in they his were, defense, they were addressed to Pennywise. Uh, when they arrived, they found the driver and the truck. And the driver, who was a temporary worker, told police he wanted to leave and started dumping the packages. Oh, my God. Police interviewed him, but no arrests were made. And in a statement Monday evening, Amazon said it was aware of the incident, and the case is under investigation. Remember that story you had about the mailman who just kept the mail at home? Oh, yeah. There wouldn't, just it bags happens. and bags of mail? <laughs> happens yeah. every now and then, yeah. yeah. A British man arrested in a Brussels airport with cocaine inside an artificial penis could face up to three years in prison for the offense. Uh, the man was busted trying to smuggle the drugs from Jamaica into Belgium. 
Uh, he allegedly told investigators that he intended to use the cocaine for personal use once he returned home. Prosecutors did not provide the man who uh, said he got the drugs, or they didn't prove that they did not prove the man who said he got the drugs visiting his home in the Caribbean country was a mule, but still asked for a 36 month sentence. Now, what I don't understand is whether it was, you know, a penis attached to his groin or not. Over. They, they, yeah, right. I, I want to know what the configuration was, what the apparatus looked like. Yeah, or if it was just a you know a sex toy. But, right. Uh, defense attorneys argued such a sentence is too severe since the man is in poor health. Well, they caught him freebasing his penis, and that was the tip-off. Uh, he's set to be sentenced uh, next <laughs> Wednesday. One last story. In Smithtown, New Jersey, they recently enlisted the help of a professional tree climber to rescue a cat that was stranded for three days on a high branch of a tall tree. The cat named Tiger went missing from his home in the uh, Nesconset uh, area yeah. last week and was spotted by a neighbor up in the tree more than 50 feet off the ground. When officials realized the cat wouldn't be able to come down on its own, they tried to use a bucket lift, and that didn't work. Uh, they weren't able to get high enough, so uh, the fire department couldn't even get up there using their ladders. But a man named Omar, who works as a tree climber for oh. impressive properties, ended up wearing a helmet and harness climbed the tree, and brought Tiger back down to safety. I bet he got sliced to ribbons. Uh, the cat got a checkup from the animal control and then was reunited with his family. But that's 50 feet up in a tree, man, that's that's pretty tricky. And that is what we have in the Bizarre Five. Nice. Let's take a break and come back in just a moment. Make sure you stay with us on this Thursday morning. Love MMR? Buy some gear. Check out the rock shop at WMMR.com. Snazzy. Are you ready for love and ready to get engaged? Then visit Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut by appointment only or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. As we ease back into life bit by bit, Acme wants to help you reconnect bite by bite. When doors start to open, when parks are filling with laughter again, and you can reconnect with family and friends over food, Acme will be there with you every step of the way. For birthdays and barbecues, parties and picnics, and of course, down the shore. Celebrate life together with Acme, your favorite local supermarket, and the official supermarket of MMR's Preston and Steve Show. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. We're going to have uh, Brian Boucher, uh, formerly Philadelphia Flyers, on uh, the program around 9 o'clock. There's a special showing of uh, 2000s playoffs against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Game three went eight periods. <laughs> it was uh, five overtime, so they're replaying it, which should be pretty interesting. So we'll talk to Boucher in a little bit. Uh, but I know you don't. So when researching topics to talk about, on the program, sometimes I find ones that thread together, and they have led to characters or certain, yes. Um, sub, um, what would you call them? Subcategories or? Uh, yes. Segments. What's the word I was looking for? <laughs> a uh, Not a uh, uh, um, an alias, but. Um, Pseudonym. Something like that. Yeah. Right. yeah. A thesaurus. Yeah. A thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, which is a, a large beast that roamed the earth many years ago. Yes. We all know yeah. this. Yeah. No, I, I can't think of the word. But anyhow, there's a, a, new, there's, a, there's a new character. And Steve actually came up with the name of this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am now bringing you the Space Cowboy. I'm a space cowboy. I have found. Get to earth ready for that. I am. Uh, I'm a space 
Found a few stories that have to do with space and space exploration. From the far reaches of the universe, he comes to you with information about all that surrounds us. The Space Cowboy. There's actually has been a lot of stuff about space and celestial goings-on in the news. Yes, there have. And uh, you're here to report. Actually, I have a better theme. This will be it. There you go. This is more so majestic. This is so majestic. All right, so uh, yes, the space cowboy. I have some stories for you concerning space travel, and it's good stuff. It is. So there is. Hang on, I gotta hear this one more time. Uh, So a new startup called Space Perspective wants to take your money and send you toward the stars, but not in a rocket. No. Not like SpaceX is doing or Virgin Galactic or any of that stuff. A circus cannon. No, a balloon. (laughs) So this is... uh... This can be interesting. Done. It can be done. Uh, or at least to the edge of space. Right. You know, they've mm-hmm. talked about things like that, like a basically like a space elevator. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the space balloon has been something that's been talked about uh, for a while. Yeah. I mean, they, they would, regularly, would you? They, they send, you know, these weather balloons up to the edge of the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty often. We've done it successfully a number of Many times. Many times. Yeah. And in fact, it got so passe and boring that yeah. we stopped doing it because our success rate was almost becoming embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we never actually even cleared media. <laughs> they, it's designed to be an alternative to the rocket-based space tourism industry. The company called Spaceship, or their their, their product called space, Spaceship Neptune, the capsule, will be packed with paying customers and then carried aloft to a height of approximately 100,000 feet. Would you? It's uh, um cuz you had you'd voiced your yeah. you would not do the oh, Virgin Galactic. Yeah, probably not. I think with a balloon there is less of a chance of catastrophe. Um it's the liftoff and the ignition of those rockets. Uh, the the engines you have um, issues with sitting on a building filled with dynamite. Yeah, there's da- there's yeah. a little more danger involved. Now, I would assume that the way this work works is it goes, you know, the balloon takes you up, and then it will uh, they'll use parachutes to bring you back down. That's my we guess. hope that's it. Or they slowly deinflate. I don't know how you do this because the, the the balloons expand the higher you go, right? And they eventually will explode. So, so what I would would imagine is is that uh, yes, that would have to be the case. They, I would they, imagine they would release it, and then you would free fall for a little while, and then they would have shoots, and then it would be a waterland. I don't imagine you're going to. Ex- will you get to the point where you experience zero g? No, uh, it's not going that high. right. Uh, so yeah, won't you? You have to be in outside the. Um, you have to be in low Earth orbit, orbit and you're not getting there. No, with this. no, you're just going up really, really high to the edge of space and then yeah. coming back down. So yeah, I think it would, but I'll give you the price tag here in a moment. <laughs> so um, when you reported on the story, press and I pulled it up, and and I had a feeling of nervousness in my in the pit of my stomach, <laughs> and and I I couldn't figure out why exactly. And then I remembered I watched a movie last year called The Aeronauts with Felicity Jones from Rogue One. Anybody else see this? No. Uh, I about, heard about it. I, yeah. it didn't get very good reviews. Uh, well, I found it really good. Oh so, yeah, what, uh, you know, reviews be damned or whatever. But I I uh, 
uh, my palms were sweating the entire time I was watching it. It was huh. about ballooning in England in the in the 1800s. Okay, and some things go wrong. Yeah, and so people are. It, it's it's when a balloon experiment does not work well, and they, like the hurtling back towards Earth. Part of it scared the crap out of me. Okay. All right. So with this, you go up to space. Let, let's say everything goes off as, uh, without a hitch. You go up to space. You see the curvature of the Earth and all that fun stuff. Right. Where do you come down? Wherever? Well, right, right so, on your front lawn, from what <laughs> yeah. I understand. Well, yeah, it's going to be... So l- let me right, continue yeah. with, the, with the story of this. Uh, so they take it up to about 100,000 feet. It's one of several entries into the burgeoning space tourism industry, but... Uh, whether they can pull it off as uh, everybody's guess right now. Now, according to the company, the trip to space, technically the edge of space, will be relatively brief. Two hours will be spent ascending to the intended altitude, and then another two hours will be spent returning to Earth. So I guess you don't free fall, because I can't imagine that would take two hours to come back down. So, okay, do they explain the mechanism by which you return to space if you are indeed in a dearth? I mean, uh, to, to Earth, if you're indeed in a balloon. No. Uh, a window of two hours in between ascent and descent will offer travelers some truly breathtaking views of their home planet. When the trip is over, the capsule will come to rest in the Atlantic Ocean, and passengers will be picked up by a ship of some kind and then brought back to shore. And you get to take a picture with Barney the Dinosaur, right? Of course yeah. you do. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's how they were. Yeah, it would be a water landing case. They would be monitoring where you are, and they would have ships in the area, almost, I would assume. Preston, almost like the way you, you when you take a, a normal, regular balloon ride. You yeah. Know, like if you go out to, to yeah. Lancaster, it's the same thing. They they sort of follow you. They know a, a point. They're going to obviously set you in some body of water that they're familiar with, and they, they can tra- tra- trace you and get out to you. But uh, it's it's basically the same concept, just on a larger scale. Some of it would be a crapshoot yeah, as yeah, to yeah. where you're going to where you're going to land, by the way. So, uh, but it will cost you $125,000 per person. 125 grand. That's all. 125 grand. I, that, I, I, if you're going to spend that much, I'd rather do the um, the Virgin Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get zero Gs. But what is the Virgin Atlantic going to I think cost? that's 225000 Is that it? I think so. Nick, can you do a check on that? Yeah, because I thought it was like that's economy though to a million dollars. So you don't get to pick your seat. They they don't technically have a blast off. The balloons would be deployed from Kennedy Space Center, uh, but they're still trying to work out the details of finding their way through the FAA's red tape. There's a point at which you become you know where the altitude is just there's right. a, there's a difference between like hanging out of a of a, of a plane that's flying if you're going to do a, a parachute jump or something. I've never done it, but I know you have. At this point, you're so excessively high altitude that that fear, that vertigo, I don't think would hit you, right? I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. How do you feel when you're when you're on an aircraft? I mean, you yeah. Know, I mean, when you're when you're flying in a plane, do you get that? No, not sensation? at all. No, so probably yeah. not. Uh, Two hundred fifty thousand dollars, yeah, for the right. uh, for the Atlantic Virgin uh, Virgin Galactic. So for an extra hundred thousand, Preston. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. You can go yeah, all the way. Tack it there. on. Yeah. All right, so that is uh, is something that they are working on. So we'll see. What else do I have? Some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we're trying to package this crap in any way possible. It's what we but do. this, I like space. I know Kathy's riveted. Yeah, <laughs> I recorded I this years ago. Space. Oh my God. Space. 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 Space, 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 space
said edit in there. Yeah, that's a terrible edit. That was a bad <laughs> edit. <laughs> yeah. Sound like an intern did that. Well, it's like you're in space and trying to edit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he wanted to replicate it what it'd be like to be in zero G's and have to edit. Now I get it. <laughs> NASA has unveiled the name of the asteroid that will be the focus of its upcoming planetary defense mission. The asteroid's name was selected in preparation for a potentially Earth-saving mission. In 2003, astronomers came across an asteroid uh, with an orbiting moon of its own. And due to its nature, the binary system was named uh, Didymos. Didymos? Which is spelled D-I-D-Y-M-O-S. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce As it. As in P. Didymos? Diddy, Diddy, Mos. Diddy, Moss, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, which is Greek for twin, by the way. Oh. Huh. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. Diddy, Moss uh, became the name of the main asteroid in the system, while its orbiting moon became officially known as Diddy, Moss B. Uh, Diddy, Moss is a near-Earth asteroid system which means it occasionally flies close to the Earth as it travels around the sun. And due to this, it was selected as the target of a new mission organized by NASA. So is this uh, having to do with learning how to deflect asteroids? Exactly. Okay, we need a practical uh, test of this. Yes, dubbed as the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. Uh, the objective of the mission is to deflect an approaching asteroid by hitting it with, hitting it with a spacecraft. And through the mission, NASA plans to study the possibility of saving Earth from an impact event caused by an approaching asteroid. Okay, now uh, fly into it. What? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> fly into it. I'm sorry. I don't know if we're hearing you correctly. You want us to fly into it? <laughs> Couldn't we fire missiles at it? They didn't talk to them Sure, that. but that's not this mission, so fly into it. Yeah. Oh, I just hope this doesn't go bad. And it actually sort directs of re- it towards her. I was thinking about like the a, same like a, thing. Like yeah, a bad same. chip shot? Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, it, they, they knocked it the wrong way. <laughs> Too much English on that asteroid. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, NASA selected Didymos B as the main target of the mission, which is scheduled to launch sometime in 2022. A funny thing has happened, ladies and gentlemen. We did not intend for this. But if you have any relatives in Ohio... <laughs> in preparation for the mission, the space rock was given an official name. So now they they've renamed it. All right. So it is now called Dimorphus. Dimorphus. That sounds pretty cool. That sounds better than Diddy Moss. My name is Dimorphus. Dimorphus, uh, voiced by Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I am a celestial body known as Dimorphus. Uh, although choosing a name sounds like a simple task, it actually took an international collaboration to formulate Dimorphus's official designation. Is this an international collaboration in the whole process of deflecting the asteroid? Yes. It is a world problem. Yes, it is. I believe so. And so the name of Didymos, the main asteroid, was given after astronomers from different observatories around the world were able to confirm its trajectory. Uh, then, after it was decided that its moon will be the target of DART, of the DART mission, the projects had worked with other astronomers to come up with an official name for Didymos B, and eventually the name Dimorphos was suggested it's by, cooler. by planetary scientist uh, Cleomenes Siganis. Oh, my God. Who is also a member of the DART team. Well, what about Lil Za? Uh, <laughs> and Lil Yachty. They should use hip-hop names. A little pump. You're right. Right. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, 
Dikashi Diddy Moss. A dimorphos, which means two forms, reflects the status of this object as the first celestial body to have the form of its orbit significantly changed by humanity. All right. In uh, this case, uh, by the DART impact. A projected date for this? Uh, 2022 is when they're going to start. Um, they're scheduled to launch the uh, the mission in 2022 at some point. All right. And, uh, so and, th- and, and Steve, I don't know because there are various... Um, concepts they have about they, oh, so, so there's a couple on the on the plate. So it's the the, the suicide team that flies into it. They're probably going to put that one on yeah. hold. <laughs> it's right. either crash something into it, and then they've also flirted with like um, talking to it. No, like solar uh, sails and things like that. Uh, the solar sails, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, uh, the idea uh, of redirecting with uh, with uh, nuclear. Uh, web, I, I know that all that stuff. I think they're they're trying to just um, gently massage the orbit path. Yeah. So a listener pointed this out that this is the double asteroid redirection test. Uh, if there was a first asteroid redirection test, that'd be the fart. Oh, and yeah. then the single hit <laughs> version would be the shart. Yes, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like, it's why didn't they consult us? I know. We should be in on this stuff. Our I mean, listeners really have valuable information. They do. We are the space cowboys. Uh, so. it's, it's pretty cool. There's a, there's an animation they're showing here. Uh, of of the uh, some sort of impact on this asteroid is this something that uh, that freaks any of you out? I mean, I know I rewatched uh, double or not double uh, deep impact <laughs> double D-D-D-A. impact with uh, no 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 double <laughs> impact with Jean Claude Van Damme is not nearly as interested in a space. I'm Cajun. <laughs> no, I watched Deep Impact uh, with my son uh, two or three weeks ago, and uh, it's it holds a good up. movie. Yeah, it's, it's a good a movie. movie. And, but the you know it came out the same year as uh, as Armageddon, so it was kind of overshadowed shadowed by that in the box office and whatever. But but the concept of all of that. Uh, sending people into space, you know, that, that movie came out 22 years ago. I'm sure the ability to do these types of things is really, they, they've been advanced, you know, and the, and, and spotting them uh, before they become a danger has, has grown leaps and bounds as well. Thanks mm-hmm. also in part to the Hubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Marissa says I should uh, maybe use this as a segue between stories right. for the Space Cowboy. I like it. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So we're, trying, we're, we're finding, uh, just as finding ways to divert these asteroids, we're finding out how to frame this segment. Mm-hmm. All right, I only have one other uh, Space Cowboy story, by so the no way. So no more segues after this? Thing? Uh, I, at the end, I could probably do okay. the Space Cowboy. I kind of like it. Some people call me the Space Cowboy. <laughs> um, yeah. So... When Earth was still a molten mass with a surface swimming in liquid magma, Pluto, along with its icy underground ocean, were just forming. And uh, the billions of years since, liquid Plutonian water has remained in the distant solar system, providing a potential abode for life. At least that's the conclusion of a new study published in the journal Nature Geoscience. So they believe... There's the potential for life on the planetoid Pluto. Uh, no, not that. But there is a history of... The early history of Pluto suggests that other liquid oceans, once thought to be unique to Earth, are common on dwarf planets across the outer solar system. They think that there might be uh, liquid underneath the surface of Pluto as well. And they've said a couple of the... As you said, a couple of the other planets. They believe that might be the case on Europa. The moon of Jupiter. Uh, so according to uh, Alan Stern, an astronomer at the Southwest Research Institute and head of NASA's New Horizons mission, the oceans are ubiquitous. Most of them are in the outer layer solar system, and they could be abodes for life. 
This is a fundamental sea change in the way that we view the solar system. Uh, when the New Horizons spacecraft made its flyby of Pluto in 2015, it revealed a surface geology so active and complex that scientists suspected there may have once been an ocean buried miles beneath Pluto's thick crust of ice. Isn't that cool? Those suspicions have grown closer to presumptions in recent years, and now most planetary scientists agree that even today Pluto has a global liquid ocean under its surface. This provides Mm. all sorts of new fishing opportunities. Yes, it does. We haven't even (laughs) thought about those applications. those, Those campaigns in the summer, Fish Pluto. Uh, but how does a world smaller than the Earth's moon harbor an ocean? And how did it manage to keep it from freezing over the course of billions of years? Uh, with the new study, scientists think that they finally have an answer to these questions. Until now, they assume that uh, Pluto was formed out of cold material glomming together very slowly. Glomming? Yes. <laughs> like like globs of cops. As a dusty disk of debris coalesced uh, around our sun... <laughs> Uh, the dwarf planet would have gradually clumped together out of bits of rock and ice. One large enough Pluto's, once large enough Pluto's internal heat would have melted some of its ice, creating a subsurface ocean. That story works well, as Pluto's underground ocean is explained simply by the decay of radioactive elements. But That's the, what I'm going with. But the team wanted to test that theory. They wanted to find out whether Pluto started off as hot instead and uh, formed through a series of massive impacts, much like early Earth. And as it turns out, there's a way to tell whether Pluto formed hot or cold by simply observing the dwarf planet's surface, and it relates to the straightforward fact that water expands as it freezes <laughs> and compresses when it melts. Okay. And um, it goes on and on how to say that they, they, they think that it actually started off as hot. And then they just admit at the end that they made it up. They made it all up. Uh, the, the movie that I saw, Preston, it's a found footage film. It's called Europa Report. Okay. And uh, they it's a mission to Europa, and they discover this ocean underneath Europa as... Uh, you know, the people have suggested, scientists have suggested, and it doesn't go well. But it's found footage. I know you like those kind of I movies. do, I do. I was watching Apollo 18 the other day. Yes. Which I... It's not great, but it's not bad. No, it's it's interesting. I love the yeah. found footage um, uh, format right. of, of filmmaking anyway, so I thought it was kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, uh, so who knows, man. I mean, this stuff... The, there are a lot of different theories that they come up with, and, and some of them move closer and closer to what they suspected. And every now and then you hear one that's like, no, wait, we were wrong. Doesn't it's that different. help? I think that put, I, whenever this stuff is brought up, whenever Neil deGrasse Tyson or anybody, uh, Derek Pitts or anybody brings up this stuff, um, it puts everything in context. I mean, to me, you look at the look at everything that's going on. Look at all the stuff that we don't know, all, all the potential, mm. the miraculous stuff. Uh, I think we're going to have Derek on tomorrow, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, awesome. such, he's such a great guy. I, and, you know, sometimes when you have people like that on or, or Neil deGrasse Tyson, Steve, you uh, you have to think of your questions so that you don't sound like too much of an idiot. Yeah. In, well in advance, so if what you makes have... gum chewy, <laughs> right? <laughs> what? What? I don't know. But if you have any questions for Derek, think of them now, and maybe we can actually get him some okay. good ones by tomorrow. Right. By the way, this text wants to know: Are they taking a guess at what Kathy has purchased during this <laughs> segment? Well, here, here's the thing: I'm I'm trying so desperately not to shop, but like you guys are making it really hard. I know. But listen, this is listen to this guess. This is what they all think. Right, okay. Want. All right. This person thinks that during our space conversation that you bought a throw pillow with the phrase that says Cheerios without sugar is only okay with a cut up banana. No, in there. no. Okay. Not even in the ballpark. Is there any, are there any more guesses? No, this is the one person's uh, very specific very guess. Specific, 
I would say that the, the go-to is usually shoes, but I don't think that's no. what it is. No. We're past shoes. I'm I, thinking something for the summer for mm, Jace. I was thinking, not for Jace, I was thinking of something of the summer for Kathy. I was thinking, um, I was thinking a bathing suit, maybe. No, Casey's closest. Oh, something for Jace? Something for the beach for Jace? Oh, is it a hovercraft thing See, that you were looking at? You're so, nope, we huh? already got that. Okay. Something not for hovercraft. Hoverboard, hoverboard. Hoverboard. I'm not, yeah, not <laughs> a hovercraft. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I meant. No, I didn't. I clear the launch pad. pad. Clear the launch pad. Is it a kite? Wait. Well, kite? And, and let's just be clear. I didn't purchase anything uh, because I can't figure out my Target password. Oh. Oh, my God. Hey, did you know that Pluto has an ocean on it? <laughs> What'd you get? So I really have been, I, nothing. I didn't purchase anything. I'm but really what were you looking at? trying to figure out my Target password. Right, yeah, so what were you trying to buy? Target. Sunscreen because you can't get it in store. Uh, you can't get it in store. Well, my my Target was sold out, so oh, really? I'm just yeah, I'm ordering it online. Here's a question: Would you need sunscreen were you to go to the ocean of Pluto? <laughs> yes. Right, I think uh, so because Pretty it's so remote. Sun, yeah. I wonder what the UV saturation would be at that distance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a question uh, that maybe you can answer. And can dogs get sunburn? I don't know. That is a good question. Because my dog loves to lay go in to the, the sun. Place? <laughs> no, I think on their no. noses they can. Okay. Like, because uh, that's sensitive and... Are you guessing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why I said I think at the beginning of okay. that sentence. Um, take a look. Do do a, do a quick uh, yes, Google search. Can. Dogs can get sunburned. Yep, like people, dogs exposed to too much sun can develop um, some skin cancers and things like that. And oh. you'll see their skin will actually get a little bit uh, pink or red. Okay. Hmm. okay. I, love the, I love those dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Fozzie was looking all majestic and uh, just laying in the in the... You Driveway made love to him, yesterday. Didn't you? I did not, okay. Steve. What'd you say? You made love to him, too. Oh. <laughs> He's big enough. <laughs> you could. No, yeah. no, that's Reggie. Reggie. Oh, Reggie's no. the larger one. Fozzie, I would split in half. Case and. <laughs> oh, <my> oh. <laughs> jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, why did I say that? <laughs> I sent you down that path, didn't I? And now you're thinking about banging your dog. <laughs> Connor's face is in the room. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. Yikes. Okay. God damn That dog's looking good. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, it's cute when uh, when they go out in sun like that. Yeah. I always do that as well. All right, real so. quick. So dogs with um, lighter colored fur are more likely to get sunburned. Mm, Fox okay. is white, and he's got, like, like pink skin. That case, that's exactly what it says. Okay. You going to put sunscreen on him? Do <laughs> you want me to get you an extra bottle? I would love to see that. Do they have dogs? Get a huge uh, one of those... Hats, this huge what a panorama. What do they call them? Panama parasol. Hats? No, the Panama, Panama hat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Panama hat. Casey has one. I have one. I, I hate love that hat, by the way. Do you really? Oh my god, I love it so much. Your oh. Panama hat. Yeah, it's yeah. like a big giant straw hat. It's so. That's much. not yeah. a Panama hat, but no. but that's uh, I know what you're talking about. Those huge, huge hats. Yeah. Doggy you know Sun Mist ha- is available at Chewy.com. Shut oh up. Petkin SPF F, uh, 15 Doggy Sun Mist four ounce bottle for eight dollars and eighty cents. What is the classic hat and the um, one of the guys who occasionally comes over and does gardening, you know, when we're we're doing stuff yeah. like mulch, he'll wear a hat. And these guys are, are awesome. He wears like it's almost like a, I guess, what you might see someone who's working in a rice paddy. Or yeah, a, I know what you're talking. It's about. a sort of a conical hat, it like hangs over. Yeah, right? it's almost like a cone. Right, it's almost like a cone. Okay. Yeah, and, I, it, and and they seem to be really like a bamboo hat. Nick, do you have a picture of it? Uh yeah, Asian conical hat, bamboo hat, Vietnamese bamboo leaf conical hat. Best for dogs. So cat, that's the hat. 
All right, so my my hat doesn't look like that, but it is straw and big like that. And you, you that's the one that you don't like? <laughs> Get that, show that to Casey. Preston, look at this. this is, You're you like, right. this woman's wearing an This awning. is my purchase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually bought no, no, that? No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I should. It's... Really, it's a—it's almost like a gigantic disc with a with it's a little like, cap. Yeah, it's like an umbrella. It. it goes yeah. over your yeah. shoulders and everything. My uh, my neighbor wears uh, one of those conical hats when he's out working in the. It seems to be really yard. good. It's very very functional. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're going to get a lot of uh, you're going to get a lot of shade from that. So that's why I wear it. It just creates a lot of shade, and I only wear it down on the beach. Um, you have a hat that looks like that. What? No, 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 no. Uh, here, I'll show you a picture. I of think it. I saw it. Were you on the on your scooter with it when we did yeah. the Hose commercial? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like it that hat. Um, but I, I you just, wear it for functionality for, for the show. Yeah, I'm not like uh, I'm trying to pick you know, up chicks, pick up chicks, pick up or, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, Steve. I wear it um, because it's uh, safe, and okay. I'm in Dang. the sun quite often. All right. Uh, one other thing from uh, the Space, space Cowboy. Cowboy. Back, yeah, back to space. Yeah. People call me the Space Cowboy. Not really. This is on Earth. Uh, but... But Earth is in space. It it has connections to celestial events. Um, Stonehenge. Yes. Of course, which is a calendar of sorts, follows the solstice and, and uh, equinoxes. I've been. It's fascinating. Um, well, a team of archaeologists have discovered a new major new prehistoric monument just a short distance away from Stonehenge. Fieldwork and analysis have revealed evidence of 20 or more massive prehistoric shafts. Yeah. More than 10 meters in diameter and 5 meters deep forming a... Shut s- your mouth. Uh, no, not that shaft. Just uh, talking about shafts. Forming a circle more than two kilometers in diameter around the Durrington Walls Henge. Coring, uh, because there are more than one. There there's are more than one henge. There, there are a number of henges. Um, so there's Benson and henges. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to say. Benson, Benson and, and henges. henges. It's hard. Yeah. Henges instead of hedges. <laughs> Uh, so, coring of the shaft suggests the features are Neolithic and evac- excavated more than 4,500 years ago. Are you fascinated by this stuff? I am. Uh, and and what, again, just Stonehenge alone has the amount of research and the amount, it is a essentially a celestial calendar. When we were in uh, Sweden, we went yep. to, you know, uh, the Viking village and they have these ancient rune stones. Yes. And they're, large, you know, about the size of a human being and, uh, it's fascinating to me. You know, they had etchings on them and things right. like that, and I find that stuff really, really cool. You know what else is in your Stonehenge and these shafts? What? Robin Hood's Ball. I'm not, I'm not kidding. That? I don't know. It's another site. It's uh, it's right up here. Okay. Uh, there's the Lesser Curses, the Greater Curses, Stonehenge. Are those all henges? Yeah, Willsward, Willsford Shaft. Robin Hood's Ball. And Robin Hood's Ball. And Little John's Butthole. <laughs> <laughs> It's around the corner. <laughs> um, all right, so what is a, a hinge? Does a hinge mean like circle by any chance? Or I don't know, but I know that Casey showed me a video that has to do with balls and buttholes. Oh my god, morning. dude! Okay. I don't. But I can't is, even, it, is it from England? It might be. I, I don't. don't we can't well, describe it. I can't even go into what, it. What technically is a hinge? Then, if we're if we're on that issue, Nick, you could, uh, have sure. a particular type of earthwork of the Neolithic period, consisting of a circular or oval shaped bank. Okay. Huh. All there right. So that's where you can bring your change if you have too much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so at it, Stonehenge, we're ready for you uh, with our open air style, uh, and there's a cafe too. It is thought that uh, shafts served as a boundary to a sacred area or precinct associated with the henge. Yeah. 
Uh, clearly, sophisticated practices demonstrate that the people were so in tune with natural events to an extent that we can barely conceive in the modern world we live in today, according to a spokesperson there. If you watch the, the shows on uh, the History Channel and even things like Ancient Aliens, mm-hmm. um, which I am a, a fan of, my wife even more so, uh, you know, you, you think of Star Wars, here. you talk about it in a time long ago where they had this incredible understanding of things. There are a lot of things that amaze modern science and researchers about what they were able to achieve with levels of accuracy that imply, yeah. you yeah. know... Uh, Maybe they had some assistance. Assistance. <laughs> right. Know. Or, you know, like we were discussing last week, there was a, um, like a superior intellectual you know, human race here before the yeah. ancient Egyptians that were wiped out by some sort of uh, celestial... Foot fungus. Foot fungus. <laughs> uh, catastrophic event. <laughs> and that... They couldn't walk anywhere. Ow! They just died. Just build a henge here. And that the pyramids that we know them weren't built uh, by the ancient Egyptians, but dug out by the ancient Egyptians. Yeah. And they said... Um, that anything like modern today, like in America, like that, if something were to happen, like a asteroid or something like that, uh, were to come down and, and wipe us all out, the one thing that would maybe stay that's in the United States right now, do you guys know what it would be? The one thing that would stay? Yeah, the Fonzie like, statue? No, like, like 12, <laughs> 15, 20,000 years from now. With the Gothel's Bridge in New York? No. All right, so the one man-made object. Mm-hmm. That would withstand the impact of a of a, a direct hit from a uh, yeah an asteroid yeah nothing what did they say uh, Mount Rushmore oh okay oh well, yeah okay that makes yeah. sense yeah it'd probably get a little banged I mean up. If, if it got if Mount Rushmore got hit by the uh, no I'm not talking about that like if, oh, okay. if that got directly hit by an asteroid no that okay. would do that would be well, I would imagine a lot of things could could handle that depending on where the explosion where the, Im- where the impact took place hershey yeah. park could be fully intact for all we know <laughs> that's right yeah we lost europe but we Every- got hershey park everybody might die yeah. but hershey park could still or stand they would yeah. close the rides for a while yeah so there's um if you go to the grand canyon and you tour and you go way 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 down deep you'll you know they, they can basically you know it's like history you know through sure, and, and the, the rocks layers. yeah and the layers and everything but there's one um, section of the Grand Canyon where I, I forget what they call it, but they basically say during this time, either something very, very crazy cataclysmic happened or nothing happened. Okay. You know, like for, and we're talking for like a billion years. So either that's a lot of wiggle room is yeah. a lot. <laughs> it's, either that's, that's a scientist who wants to keep his job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Either something tremendous happened or nothing. Uh, so they're they're kind of um, perplexed as to what this particular layer represents. Right. Okay. Um, so anyhow, this announcement about the um, uh, about this henge that they found is uh, comes after the summer solstice, which took place online this year. Doctor Nick Sensal uh, hailed the astonishing discovery, saying that as the place where the builders of Stonehenge lived and feasted. Durrington Walls is key to unlocking the story of the wider Stonehenge landscape. And this astonishing discovery offers us new insights into the lives and beliefs of our Neolithic ancestors. Right on. How did they even know to start (laughs) digging there? Uh, Because they've been researching that area. There's all sorts of stuff connected to that area. If you ever get the chance to visit Stonehenge, (laughs) you know, you go, oh, is this going to be something? You get there. First off, the one thing that does impress you is that it is, it's a bit smaller than you assumed it was. Everything always seems bigger when you're looking at it in a TV special, whatever. That said, though, it's 
It's freaking Stonehenge. Steve, it's like the, the floor is lava. Those objects are jumping around on right. Don't look that big. <laughs> right, right. Until people start jumping on Exactly. Yeah. I was actually supposed to watch the sunset in Stonehenge in April. And then this pandemic <gasps> happened. Great. Oh, yeah, son of a bitch. No. You'll, right. you'll get there. Uh, that's all that I have. I am the Space Cowboy. Space well Cowboy. Sure, we'll revisit this, and we're going to have Derek Pitts on tomorrow from the Franklin Institute. He is a wonderful interview. We could have him flesh out some of this stuff, yeah. and also recommend some sunscreen for Kathy. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he probably could. All right, so we're going to take a break and come back in just a moment. Brian Boucher will be joining us. Stay with us. Preston and Steve on ninety-three-three WMMR. Tonight on NBC Sports Philadelphia, they're going to replay game number three. Uh, it was the Eastern Conference semifinals in 2000. The Flyers were playing the Penguins. <laughs> and everybody's excited. Now, I mean, it's playoff hockey. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Um, it went for eight periods, five overtime periods, and a low-scoring game, too. It was a two-to-one. Uh, so... It was just a, a marathon game. And, in fact, I'm going to play a clip. Uh, it was uh, Keith Primo who cor- who scored the uh, the game winner. Right. And then they advanced, or they didn't advance, but they moved on to the the next game, obviously. But uh, here's, here's a clip of that happening. Here we go. Gillis ahead. Primo off the bench. is onside. Primo moves deep with it. Stops the shot. He's good. Listen to JJ. Thank God it's over. <laughs> Thank God Almighty it's over. The Wills, and this baby goes back to Philly, even at two games apiece. Unbelievable. Thank God this is over. <laughs> what a night. Unbelievable. Uh, well, there was one guy in net that whole night. He's on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brian Boucher. Yeah. Boosh, good morning. Good morning, guys. How's everybody holding up? We, we're we holding up as fine as we can. And yourself? Uh, hanging in there. Uh, um, yeah. miss, miss hockey, I can tell you that. Uh, but uh, doing as best, uh, as best as we can over here. I hear you, man. By the way, hearing that clip that I just played, do you still do, do flashes of being exhausted come back to you after hearing that? Yeah, they do. Um, and maybe the one benefit of this whole pandemic and this isolation and lockdown is that we've been able to relive some moments of uh, of hockey past. And, and this is one moment that has been talked about a lot during this whole thing. So it's been really cool for me to relive that, that night, uh, although it's probably something that I never wanted to do again because <laughs> it was awfully exhausting. Uh, it, it's nice to, to relive the stories and and talk to guys about it, and you kind of forget some things, and it, you know, it, it, you know, it gets your mind going back to that night where it was uh, an unforgettable night and part of hockey history. Well, you know what, and that that series in particular, because one thing I didn't realize until I read this article by Pat Boyle that came out a few years ago was that you guys had played a triple overtime game two days before that. Uh, well, game three was overtime. I I don't know if it was triple OT, but I mean, it was an overtime game. There's no doubt. Uh, game three was an overtime win. Andy Delmore got the winner to get us back into that series. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then we go, go five overtimes. Thank God we had two days in between game four and game five. We ended up having an afternoon game for game five. If we didn't have those two days off, I don't even know if that, 
product of hockey would have been watchable, to be yeah. honest with you, because everybody was so exhausted. Yeah, I remember it vividly. I remember you guys losing the first two in Philly and then going into Pittsburgh and taking the two there, including the five-overtime game. With that game in particular, in game four, Brian, um, was it more physically exhausting or mentally exhausting? Because you have to maintain focus that whole time. Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, at different times, you know, you feel it differently. Uh, I mean, I remember being mentally exhausted because it's, you know, the next mistake could cost it, right? Uh, could cost the game. So you're, you know, you know, mentally you're trying to stay in it, stay in it, but it's hard to ignore the cramps. It's hard to ignore the physical exhaustion that you had. Adrenaline carried, carried me through a lot of the night. I'm sure it carried a lot of the guys through the night, but, um, I think at that moment when it ended, I, I said this before, I don't think I could have played another full period. That that was about, you know, where I was at the point where this, this is enough. And I think in, in hearing some Pittsburgh Penguin guys talk, and it's great they on this on, on this podcast, you know, this Marathon on Ice podcast that's out today, this morning, you hear the, you know, Ron Tugnett and Bob Bugner from the Pittsburgh Penguin side talk about it. And, and how they felt when it was over. I think they were just happy to get off the ice. Even though they lost, they are like, okay, we'll just get on to the next game. <laughs> yeah. It was an exhausting night for all of us. Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, the, the Penguins losing was probably, uh, I, listen, it, it, obviously it tied the series up, but if you guys would have lost, you guys would have been down three games to one, and that's that's uh, more formidable formidable to to come back from. Um, so uh, I I have a few friends in my life that are huge huge hockey fans. Uh, Nick is one of them, and Chuck D'Amico, who works uh, uh, down the hall, is another one, and and he remembers this game like you know um, like it was yesterday, and he recalled and he and he. Um, posits that uh, Keith Primo scored that goal because he was more rested than everybody else, and he's not exactly sure why Keith was off the ice. Uh, he was off the ice for an extended period of time. It was either an equipment issue or it might have been a, a, you know, a, a slight injury or something like that, but he was more rested than any other skater out on the ice. Is that what you recall as well? Uh, I don't recall that. I mean, I, I didn't focus on anybody but myself, <laughs> truthfully, during that whole night. I mean, I had no idea what anybody else was doing. Uh, I know that Primo, the, the goal, that he, the way he scored it, I feel like he tried that move a couple of times in this series where he came down the right side and tried to cut to the middle, and for whatever reason, the puck would you know jump over his stick or he wasn't able to execute the play. And, but I remember that play so clearly, and I remember the sound that it made when that puck hit the back bar in the net. It makes a, a clunk sound and not a ping. And I knew when I heard the clunk, I knew it was over. I, I mean, for all of the ways that you can score in overtime, oftentimes they're ugly goals, they're fluky goals. This was a heck of a play yeah. uh, made by Primo. Whether it was in the first period or the eighth period, that was just a tremendous move that he put on Kasparaitis and was able to put it past Ron Tugnet for the win. Uh, unreal. So you have played many, many minutes of hockey in your in your lifetime, and obviously a, a five-overtime, eight-period game is definitely going to stand out in your memory. But um, I'm sure you've forgotten more than than you remember about hockey. What what? What do you think it is about a particular play or a game or whatever that has to happen in order for you to remember it so vividly? Well, hopefully it's a positive memory. Um, you know, you try to you try to forget the negative ones, that's for sure. Um, and, and, and truthfully, when I look back on my career, I you know, for all the times that I, I know there were bad days when I played, I knew I had some bad games and bad moments, but those don't seem to come back to uh, to the front of my mind when I'm thinking about, you know, uh, memories that you played. Um, but as time goes on, you do forget some, some of the uh, finer details of stories. And, 
like I said earlier, you know, this pandemic has kind of forced us to watch old hockey games and go back in time and relive some moments. And I don't think this was a moment that as, uh, as teammates of that 2000 team, we, we, we had a chance to really relive uh, the way we have during this last three months. So I've talked about it a lot. Uh, it's brought up some funny stories. We had some real characters on that team, that 2000 team, guys like Craig Berube, uh, Keith Jones, Rick Tockett, uh, wow. some real funny guys, Chris Carey. I mean, like, we, we laughed in that locker room more than any team that I ever played for. And that was my rookie year. And unfortunately for me, it was all downhill after that. <laughs> my rookie year was my most memorable, and, it, and a lot of it is because of the guys that we had in that locker room, a real special group of veteran guys. That's cool, man. When you, when you can have fun uh, at your job, even though you're working really, really hard, that's an absolute bonus. Hey, uh, Brian, I had a question about being a goaltender in particular because, you know, you mentioned being able to hear Primo's shot hitting that back bar. When you let one get past you, obviously you're unhappy about that. But is it that much worse when they go upstairs and knock your water bottle off the back of the net? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, you hate to you do. You're right. You hate to get scored on. Period. But when you, you have to go and pick up your water bottle, that's been uh, that's insult know, to injury, right? By, by, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, did you really have to do that? Um, <laughs> but it's funny. I talk to ex goal. I talk to ex goalies all the time, and you know, it, it's a funny story because we always hear this distinct sound, whether the puck hits the white padding on the net, and even though there could be nineteen thousand fans in the building, as a goaltender, you hear the puck hit that pad that's wild it's a bad feeling it's this feeling that you're like oh man yep and you know but we've all had the experience and uh i tell you what i don't miss uh having those goals go in but uh, (laughs) i sure do miss playing the game and i miss the celebration with the guys and the laughter in the locker room but uh yeah yeah, giving up those goals but that's something you know you, you sure could go without yep so uh, NBC Sports Philly is going to rerun the, the, the game actually tonight at 7 o'clock. But also, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, there's a podcast that is uh, basically it's a retelling of the story of, of the marathon on ice. And uh, so what can we expect on the podcast? Is it, I mean, obviously, it's going to be players' recollections. It's going to be, you know, calls from the game. And, you know, who can we expect to hear? Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. Uh, a lot of guys featured in it, uh, Chris Terrian, Keith Primo, myself. Uh, Keith Jones, Rick Tockett, and then on the Pittsburgh side, I believe Bob Bugner, Ron Tugnut uh, are telling their side of it. Uh, Mark Zumoff is the uh, is the narrator. It was terrifically done. I think it's about forty five minutes long, and uh, it just gives you know uh, a detailed account of uh, of the game itself, but also talks about the history of the, the Penguins and Flyers uh, rivalry and. And this, you know, the stories behind the two franchises and where they are today, where they were at that time. Uh, it, it's a great listen. I mean, for me, uh, even as a guy that was uh, part of that series and a part of that game, it was great to go back and listen to it and uh, and kind of get a feel for, you know, where the, the, the state of that series is at and where it was at that time. Uh, I, I recommend it highly. Uh, I look forward to watching the game again tonight. I, although I've never seen the game aired. In its full entirety, they always edit it and take certain parts of it out. I want to watch the whole thing from start to finish. I don't know if that's going to be the case tonight, but that would make for a, a long night of TV. It would have made for a long night of TV 20 years ago. I stayed up and watched the whole thing. Um, do you remember uh, what it was like in between periods and in, in the overtimes? And what was it like after the game? 
Yeah, so in between periods, it was, um, you know, first three periods, normal stuff, right? Everybody's focused, you know, you kind of recharge, you know, you don't think anything different uh, of that night. But as you get into the overtimes, you get into the third, fourth overtime period uh, or intermission, you know, it starts to get like guys, guys were starting to get giddy, uh, <laughs> joking around like, you know, guys are joking around. You know, like I think Jonesy said, you know, somebody end this thing. I'm going to die or something like that. <laughs> and, and, and Tonkin tells a funny story about Jonesy coming in the locker room with uh, cheese pizza. And, and he's got, you know, sauce all over his face. And he's telling guys <laughs> that this is the time for the fat guys to get it done. A lot of hibernation. Um, so yeah, it's just, a, you know, we, you know, look, it was serious and we knew it was a big moment in the series, but we also, as the, as the night went on, we also realized that this was, a, a night to embrace and, and kind of have fun with it. And fortunately for us, we ended up coming out on the winning side in post game. Uh, we certainly had enough adrenaline to celebrate, but man, were we exhausted. I remember coming home on the flight and the sun was rising when I was driving. Wow. Home. Uh, that's how late it was, which, and it's only a 45 minute flight from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. It's not wow. like a cross country <laughs> flight. So it was a, a pretty wild night. In this article I referenced, Pat Boyle says, uh, I was located in the hallway outside the Flyers cramped locker room and between, uh, the overtime periods, the door would swing open where I saw, IVs being administered, pizza boxes being passed around, and the guys washing it down with Pedialyte. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine staying dehydrated was a big thing, too. Or, or staying yeah, hydrated, not yeah, dehydrated. Not dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, we, were, we were plenty dehydrated. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's a pretty... That's a pretty accurate description by Pat. Um, you know, we, we get the pizzas uh, to hold us over from uh, post-game till we get to the plane, you know, as a little snack. Yeah. Uh, but we went through those pizzas pretty quickly. I think by the end of the second overtime, those pizzas were long gone. All the granola bars, the power bars, the power gels were gone. And yeah. guys were cramping. I mean, I was cramping. I know that uh, to start that fifth overtime, uh, I couldn't even stretch or, or scrape my crease because uh, if I did, one part of my body started to cramp up. So wow. I just said, screw it. I'm not even going to stretch and just kind of wing it. And thank God nothing bad happened. But uh, yeah. Yeah, guys were guys were exhausted. The IVs were, you know, were in full use post game. I'm not sure how much weight I lost, but uh, yeah. I'm sure it was a lot. And uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just happy that we came out on the winning side of it, which made for an even better memory. Yeah, do you even recall how much your, your pads weighed at the end of the game? I don't, but I do remember taking my skates off and pouring water out of my skates. Oh, oh wow! God. Oh my god! <laughs> That's gnarly. Did you even have an option yeah. of um, of coming out of goal after maybe even the third overtime period, or you know, did they ask you and and you elected to stay in the game? No, I was never asked, and uh, I truthfully n- nobody would ever come out of a situation like no. that. I mean, that would be a terrible situation to put your your uh, your goalie partner in, uh, having him sit there for six periods and say, "Okay, now your turn." Okay, you know, you you know, that's a tough situation to walk into, really cold, but. Uh, You'd have to be injured. I mean, but I mean, look, as a backup, you're always prepared. Anything can happen, and certainly in those situations, you know, someone could go down and get, you know, get pull a muscle through a cramp or whatever. But um, yeah, no, never was a thought to do that to, to John Van Beesbrook. Uh, I wanted to see that thing all the way through, even if I would have ended up being on the losing end. Hey, uh, let's fast forward to uh, the current season, Bush. Had you, you know, if, if you were active now and going through uh, what pretty much every athlete is going through in, in this day and age, um, how would you be treating it? Would you be training every day? Would you, uh, you know, be working as hard as you could on the off chance that, hey, we're getting started next week, you know? 
Yeah, I would. Um, you know, first of all, when this thing, when the pause happened, I don't think anybody knew how long the pause would last. So I think you have, you know, as a player, you have to be on your toes and you got to make sure you're, you're staying in as good a shape as possible. Uh, it certainly helps if you have a home gym in your house. Uh, you know, that goes a long way because obviously guys couldn't get to, to the rink and use the, use the facilities. Um, so it may have been challenging, uh, for some guys if they didn't have those types of home gyms, um, but yeah, I mean, you're trying to stay in shape as best you can, whether it's running, riding a bike, uh, hitting the weights. But, it, you know, it's tough when you don't know where the finish line is to determine how hard you should train, right? Mm-hmm. And and then the other part is you can't get on the ice. That's the one thing that players nowadays do a lot more than we ever did when we played is that, they, you know, their offseason where they, they put their gear away, they don't do it for as long as we did. I mean, they might take two, three weeks that's it. And then they work on getting back on the ice and working on their skills and keeping their hands going. And for us players back when, when I was playing that, there was a long, long time ago, but you know, it has changed. I mean, we would take uh, a month and a half, two months off the ice and strictly work on off ice stuff. But uh, so I think for these guys, it's, it's challenging for them not to be on the ice for three months. And now they're starting to get back on the ice uh, in small groups, uh, which I think is good. Hopefully uh, everything stays as planned and they go to camp on July 10th and, and they can get after it there. But I'm sure there's going to be some sore bodies when they get back after it because uh, being off the ice for that long is certainly going to be a challenge even for the best athletes. Well, you raise that point. And, and then, you know, obviously there's the issue of, um, you know, the last thing you want to do is, 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 is take out a player with injuries that could be incurred because this is so erratic. And this is, you know, a lot of people are just obviously excited to get sports back, to get – the hockey back, but everyone understands it's it. Everything is going to be sort of a hybrid version of its real self. And the last thing I'm sure players and owners and everybody wants to have happen is in our zeal to get back to that, that you end up like uh, dramatically affecting a player who cannot play next year, hopefully when things are more intact. So it's sort of a fine line. I have to imagine that's being walked. Yeah, and I think if you look at when they opened up the Phase 2 portion uh, of the return to play, it it was a a situation where they allowed small groups to get together and practice, and that was in early June. So you think about that, that's kind of like an involuntary skate, an involuntary workout, so you go at it in small groups and allow guys to kind of get their feet wet again and and push themselves you know however they feel they need to push themselves and that gives them a whole month before they would report to a mandatory training camp where i'm sure then the coaches would you know put their hands on what they have to put their hands on as far as like conditioning and and systems etc so i think it's enough time for guys to even if they 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 didn't have access to uh home gyms or, or what have you the month leading up to this training camp allows these guys to kind of quickly get back into form. But yeah, I think the NHL is certainly concerned about the time off of these players and they don't want to have uh, a negative effect on these guys going forward, especially with their careers, seeing it's been such a, a crazy time in this world to begin with. The last thing you want to do is make the situation worse by, by forcing players into a situation where their careers could be, could be affected. So I'm confident the NHL put a lot of thought into this with the, uh, with the help of uh, the NHL clubs and, and doctors and, and, and experts on how to on how to handle this, and as long as everything uh, you know appears to be okay, I'm sure they're going to go forward with training camp, and we'll see how it goes from there. But I, I, if I was a player that you know was on say the Flyers, which was a hot team down the stretch, I would love an opportunity to see this thing out and and play for a Stanley Cup. 
Uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah. And if they can do it, it would be great. I mean, uh, even though it's going to be under different circumstances, it's still a chance to win a, a championship. And uh, it'll, be a, it'll be an interesting playoff for sure. But one that, you know, if you win it, uh, it, it's well-deserved, that's for sure. All right, let's say that um, we do have it. Somebody wins the Cup, and with your connection to the I have what I think is a great idea to keep everybody safe, and with your connection to the league, maybe you can forward this on to the governing bodies. But we have a Stanley Cup champion at the game. The winning team has to put on lipstick so that when they kiss the cup, they won't kiss another part where somebody has already kissed. If you can yeah. pass that along. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep the guys safe. That is a fantastic Thank idea, you. and yeah. one that I'm sure most health experts would uh, would agree upon. That is terrific. All right. uh, How could that I go wrong? That along. Right. Um, listen, uh, another point uh, is that uh, Oscar Lindblom uh, was skating again uh, the other day. Obviously, uh, Nick, what was the form of cancer? Ewing thing? sarcoma, and he's been uh, battling it all year. And, and just to see him out on the ice bush was awesome, to see his smile. Everybody that knows anything about the guy, uh, the kid, really, says he's just the happiest guy on the planet. He's been through hell over the last few months. and uh, But every time you see him, he's smiling. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I've heard some um, some sound bites of you know him talking afterwards, and it's amazing how grateful and um, humble he is, even through all of this. I mean, you didn't get the sense that this guy was bitter at all when he had every right to be, and uh, you know, a, a terrific attitude, and, and you know, what a positive uh, step forward to see him back on the ice. Um, I, I mean, especially during these times, you know what I mean? Like to, to think that a guy that is going through cancer treatment and chemotherapy and all of that, and, uh, you know, you think if anybody would be high risk, it'd be him. I mean, it, that's a, that's such a positive thing that he's remained healthy and, and, and now back on the ice. And although I don't think he's going to be cleared to, to be a part of the team when the playoffs resume or even be a part of the, you know, what they consider to be the, the extras, uh, I think if you're a teammate of his and you see him back on the ice, I mean, what a jolt of energy that will give you seeing um, a young player like him with a yep. positive attitude and being around the team again. I mean, it's just a fantastic story. Yeah, he could he could help with without actually even playing, uh, simply by yep. uh, improving the way that he has and being an inspiration to the team. I think that's awesome. Um, well, listen, Bush. So so they're gonna they're gonna be showing the game. Uh, tonight at seven o'clock, and the podcast also debuts today. And is that already been recorded? All the uh, the podcast stuff is done. Yes, yeah, that was. Uh, that, I did. They did. They did. Uh, uh, I mean, the work on that thing. I can't imagine to get all the people to get the sound bites during this time. The work put in by all the producers. Terrific job. It's a great listen. It's all done. I think it was released this morning at 7 a.m. Okay. So uh, if you have a chance, get, give it a listen. Marathon on ice. Uh, a, a well-spent 45 minutes of your time. Very Excellent. nice. All right. Well, listen, man, it's great to uh, to touch base again. And, uh, you know, stay safe as uh, as we're all trying to do. And, and hopefully we'll be talking to you soon, okay? Yeah, you guys too. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Anytime. Brian yeah. Boucher, guys. Yeah. Yeah, he's, reading he's good. reading a little bit more about um, from uh, from Pat Boyle, who used to be with uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, he was saying that uh, the players could barely lift their legs to get over the boards <sighs> when they were getting back on the ice, uh, and also they, he said that um, because of NHL rules, no players are allowed to be interviewed between overtime periods. He said, so I interviewed assistant coach Mike Stuthers 
five different times <laughs> during the game. Uh, and he also said that at the end of the, the whole thing, he said he brought uh, that Chris Terrian came out uh, for an interview. He said he could barely stand. He said, I asked him one question, and then I remember thinking to myself, this guy looks like he's going to pass out. And that's a big dude to yeah. pass out. He said, so I wrapped up the interview, and after one question, I sent it back to uh, Philadelphia. Uh, so that was that's a crazy night, and I still want to know if that's the longest game ever. It's the longest game in modern NHL history. I looked it up. There are two games in the 30s that were longer, uh, but they were like the Montreal Maroons or something. Okay. Like a franchise that don't exist anymore. So the longest game post-1940 in NHL history. Five wow, times. Man. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Keith Jones was the only player without a shot. <laughs> he's, he's, the not, really? he's the only player in the whole team. The whole team, yeah. Who didn't get a shot? How you go that many uh, yeah, well, hours? Yeah, he yeah. didn't get. He didn't get one damn shot in. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break and come back with some bizarre file stories for you, my friend. We shall return in just a few minutes. Stay with us. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks proudly supports the American Cancer Society Bikeathon. Hey, it's Marcus. Cancer won't stop and neither will we. Join myself and Team WMMR on Sunday, August 9th for the 48th annual ACS Bikeathon. This year we're going virtual. The pedal power to finish the ride against cancer may look different, but the mission remains the same. Each Team WMMR rider gets a free team t-shirt, registration and complete details at WMMR. WMMR.com and check out our custom Team WMMR apparel providers, Volet and Go Cycling. Team WMMR and the ACS Bikeathon, virtually unstoppable. The ACS Bikeathon, another way 93.3 WMMR is putting Philly first. We're actually jumping in a smidge earlier than we normally get in the bizarre file, so I had one little please little uh, tidbit, timely tidbit. Yes. a bit of tid. This is could we do it? This is a tidbit. <laughs> Now we need a little theme music. And yeah. No, we don't. Okay. A little another character right. with a colorful hat. No. Uh, by the way, I saw a picture of Casey's beach hat, and uh, Marissa posted on Preston yeah. Steve's uh, Instagram account. It's an awesome hat. It is. I love that hat. The only thing I don't like about it, yep. as I talk with a mouthful of figgy pop. <laughs> um, figgy pop? Yeah. It's a... Um, it's an apple cinnamon super snack press, and it's an unbaked okay. uh, organic energy ball. Mouthful of Figgy Pop, uh-huh. I think, was an album that was released yes. by Figgy um, Pop. Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah. Mouthful of Figgy, Figgy Pop. Pop. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the thing you don't like about it? Uh, it? It says the salt life on it, and I'm not like really. It's very offensive. I'm not really a salt life guy. I see the stickers, and you're more you know, a pepper life guy. Well, remember we had? Uh, I saw that too, and I remember we had a guy that called and we talked about weird things that just bother you. Yeah. yeah. And this one guy just hated those salt life salt life stickers on cars. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that yeah. what made you think of it? Yeah. Okay. So I um and I don't really care for it either, but I am changing that. I'm putting a different patch on it uh, this week. Why don't you like salt life? I just it's not a thing that I'm into. Uh, I see it on. People. He doesn't live the salt life. I don't live the salt yeah, life. Um, put the symbols. I put the uh, the. the the the, uh, the symbol from the uh, from Cobra that uh, that hammer thing that the guy <laughs> that movie, is, yeah yeah what exactly Crank, is the salt life I think it's more for like fishermen yeah um, like people speech who are like ocean people yeah. ocean people I'm a, surfers I'm not an, yeah I'm not an ocean like a mansion people boaters <laughs> stuff like that I yeah. assume all right a little more activity than just I think it's more on the, beach. on the ocean instead of like what I do which is in front of the ocean okay so question <laughs> yeah don't reveal okay. do you do you know what you're gonna put on there yeah yeah okay don't say I will not what's it gonna be fish or eagles what do you think guys. I can't see it being anything else. How about an eagle with a fish in its mouth? 
That's actually a really good idea. You got in both case. I was thinking just get a whole new hat. No, but he's got a plan. <laughs> I know you don't like that. Yeah. But what do you think? Uh, be fish or no. eagles? I don't know. For some reason, no, I'm not thinking fish or eagles. Well, oh, okay. What do you think, Nick? I think it's going to be more like jokey. Okay. I was thinking something either Jersey Shore related, like uh, the crest, you know, something. Like the oh, I didn't even think of maybe Delco, too. Right. That's you could do that. Oh, Delco, yeah. Oh, three good choices there. Okay. Preston. Well, listen, why don't you ask the guys at the shuffleboard uh, place? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when you yeah. have, they, they, it's a. Listen, I think I think Norman would probably be okay. Stanley, on the other hand, yeah. what's so that on your hat? <laughs> <laughs> the salt life. Yeah, that is that. What are you, an a hole? <laughs> You're some kind of a hole. Uh, so, all right, what's it going to be? It's fish. Okay. Oh, oh, it's what? Yeah, it's okay. the the, the uh, red fish donut. What's thing? that red fish donut? Okay, yeah. the red fish donut thing. Yeah, you're gonna put that on there. Yeah, have All patch right. and everything. All right, uh, fish rock on then. Well, um, <laughs> this wasn't the tidbit though. Was this it? is this not, not the tidbit. Oh. That was the tid. He's got the bit. <laughs> I have the tidbit. Uh, Disney announced yesterday that it is postponing the reopening of Disneyland. Why are we playing this? That's tidbit music. This is the tidbit. Oh, we have a tidbit theme. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It's we package our So Disney World. <laughs> Opening on time, Disneyland not. Yes, hold on. More, more. <laughs> I love it. That's the tidbit theme. I think it's great. Thank you, Marissa. I have a. Wait. Is it called tidbit? It's tidbit. <laughs> I think that's what she was going for, right? right. Just tidbit. Let me try. It's Tid- not working. Tidbit. All right, so. Uh, it's not working. They're postponing the reopening of Disneyland, yes. But it, Disney World is still on track. And its other Southern California theme park, which is Disney California Adventure. Oh, what is that? I've never heard of it. Is that. that one of those quasi-indoor parks? Disney California. With the VR stuff? Adventure. Don't know. Nick, would you mind? Is that uh, the one with the with Star Wars? Uh, maybe that's it, Nick. No, I don't know. Nick's going to look it it's up. A, it's a Disneyland resort. Um Superhero. It's not inside. There's definitely roller coasters. Yeah, Pixar Land. It looks like a smaller version uh, with just Disney themed stuff. Like they didn't all right. go all out on it. It's, it's their low rent. Rent. Oh, It's their tidbit. They Hold have on. the uh, Mickey Morse. We've talked about the um, uh, Animation Academy. They have that there. They have Pluto, uh, Pluto, Pluto, <laughs> Avengers Campus, Goofy. Yeah. So <laughs> we're gonna do one joke and then one fact. Okay. Every other Pixar Pauls. <laughs> Epic superhero encounters and so on. Oh, okay. so this looks okay. Disney <laughs> California Adventure Park looks more like just a regular, um, like a like a regular amusement park. park. Yeah, yeah. With with less right. of the top themed, um, you know, uh, environments and stuff like that. Right. So, but okay. uh, anyhow, they're going to close White. that. They're not going to open that one up. <laughs> uh, it waits for guidelines from the state. They had planned to reopen them on July seventeenth. California said it won't issue guidelines until after July fourth. And Disney said, given the time required for us to bring thousands of cast members back to work and to restart our business, we have no choice but to delay the reopening of our theme parks and resort hotels until we receive approval from government officials. You're talking thousands and thousands of employees. So as these things start to come back, come back online, that's great news. Yep, so so. Uh, do what you need to do. Well, they're going to delay. So it gets up and running, it, it'll go for the long haul. They are going to go ahead and reopen Disney World in Orlando July 11th as scheduled. So All that's, right. That's going to continue on. So this has been your... Bit. <laughs> so...
<laughs> Almost sounds like the Alfred Hitchcock theme. Where did you get that, Marissa? Where? Where? I think it uh, is cartoon sneaking up music. Okay, All right. I got gotcha. you. Now it's known as Tid Bit. Okay. Uh, we are now going to do the Bizarre Vibe. Now, bizarre. WMMR presents bizarre. Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Vibe. It is brought to you by A.D. Moyer. All locations remain open to provide your building material and hardware needs and are focused on customer and staff safety. Call or email ahead for curbside pickup or delivery, and you can find them at admoyer.com. Six stolen baby goats are safe with their family after three teenagers who stole them brought them back home. The teens involved in the baby goat theft have agreed to do chores around the farm as punishment. The six six goats, Fluffy, Lady, Peanut, Nibbles, Pepsi, and Taco. And John Fillerman. Were reported (laughs) stolen from Mooville Creamery in Nashville on Monday. This must be, I saw footage and the sound was down and they had these beautiful little baby goats. This must be what the story was. Yeah, this is a very cute. I actually was going to get to this in the Bizarre File yesterday, but they hadn't found who did it. Yeah, okay. It was an inside job, so to speak, then, right? Uh, Not really. Uh, Later in the day, Monday, the goats were returned home safe. Lindsay Westendorp uh, (laughs) cares for the goats and the other animals at the petting zoo. And uh, Westendorp said that three teenagers brought the baby goats back after she and other family members worked with police and other concerned citizens scouring social media for clues, leading them to find photos of their goat posted by someone else. The parents of the boys recognized what happened when they saw the photo. The group coordinated with police to bring the goats back uh, okay. to the farm. Okay, so it wasn't an inside job. No, but they're, now they're going to work at the farm as punishment. That's kind of, that's a, yeah. that's good. Yeah. And, and maybe they'll learn, if you're not careful, you might learn something. Uh, Westendorp said that there are plenty of unpleasant things to do around the farm that they can do. You know what? Maybe they'll find out that they kind of like it. Maybe they'll learn a trade. You never know. Maybe they'll kill the goats. Uh, if you think you're an adrenaline junkie, you got nothing on this guy. Gordon Precious of Ontario, was 94 years and 306 days old when he took a CMH heli-skiing summer adventures trip to the Caribou Mountains in British Columbia. So he jumped out of a helicopter and skied? This is when they drop you out of a helicopter. He and his guide were lifted by helicopter to the top of Nectar Ski Run. This is going to be great. And made their way down the mountain. I can't move! Everything below my neck is dead. Why did I do this? So, uh, Precious... That was actually just when they were taking off. Precious has now... He tripped over a carpet. Has now taken the world, the Guinness World Record for oldest heli-skier. I'm very excited to be above the mountain and skiing. It's a dream come true. I literally just sharted my spinal column. (laughs) (laughs) So he beat out a 91-year-old. So here's the deal. I don't think he jumps out of the plane. They pushed him out. Or out of the the helicopter. (laughs) They they land, but they're in ungroomed, you know, virgin territory up on the mountain and ski down. So. So, uh, but still, that's a that's a feat for a 94 year old. That is pretty amazing. Me? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. 
Uh, people are getting creative when it comes to staying safe from COVID-19, and it has prompted at least one Michigan library to issue a public warning during COVID-19. COVID-19! Stop microwaving books. Wait, why? A burned... Oh, no, to, to, to kill germs and stuff. Yeah, a burned book was returned to the Kent District Library after being damaged in a microwave. They said don't... You should wash them in the shower. Don't microwave anything from the library. The books have metal in the security radio frequency identification tags, yeah. which are located inside of the book. And when the metal entered the microwave, a hole was burned into the cover. The library wants its users to know that all materials are in quarantine for 72 hours, by the way, due to the plastic protection on items. So there is no need to take any further sterilization steps. They are using U.S. Centers for Disease Control guidelines to ensure safety for using library materials. <laughs> you don't have to microwave your books. Yeah, there's been a lot of needless microwaving of yes, things. Yes. Uh, an Omaha man was arrested early Saturday after police said he doused a downtown bar with pepper spray after being turned away, sending the patrons inside into the streets. Ryan Shufty was booked for disorderly conduct and two counts of assault. The incident occurred at T. Henry's Friday night. Security of the bar shared the video of a man and woman being turned away at the door because the bar was at 50% capacity. Employees said the man appeared to be okay with being turned away, but then seconds later, he turned around and sprayed what appeared to be pepper spray into the bar. According to a staff member, uh, Jacob Pachunka, he said, I turned around and all of a sudden my eyes and throat were burning and I was coughing and everyone around me was coughing. Uh, it was slowly spreading through the bar uh, and to the patrons and whatnot. So my first reaction was to get to the bar and make an announcement and get everybody out of the building. Well, now they had room to let them in. Employees said that uh, they were able to contact these surrounding bars where the man, a man matching the description of the man caught on surveillance video was found and later arrested. There's a lot of people with access to pepper spray. Look, you can just yeah. buy it. Yeah. A youngster inadvertently earned his parents a citation when he told a Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Michigan DNR officer uh, that there were no life jackets. Right. I'm from Michigan, and we have not enough life jackets. Excuse me, sir? I said I'm from Michigan, and we don't have enough life jackets. I'm sorry, what? I'm, are you with someone? A, a caregiver, perhaps? I said I'm from Michigan, and we don't have enough life jackets. Give him some food. I think he's hungry. Some water. Definitely some electrolytes. <laughs> he's hallucinating. Sit down, sir. You, no, it's you might be having the, a heat stroke. It's all part of the monkey heist, Kathy. Uh, I'm having a day. Yeah, I'm having are. a day. <laughs> there were no life jackets on their oh. fishing boats. <laughs> the unlucky encounter occurred over Memorial Day weekend when Josh Boudreau, Boudreau, a conservation officer was patrolling the Dead River Basin when he saw a child excitedly reel in a small walleye. After congratulating the kid on his catch and explaining what a conservation officer was, the kid excitedly exclaimed, Mommy and Daddy don't have life jackets. <laughs> oh, thanks, you little sweetheart. Boudreaux <laughs> la- and they have drugs, too. Boudreaux and they're swingers. Laughed off the comment, <laughs> assuming the child was referring to the fact that the adults were not wearing them, yeah. unlike the kids. However, upon further inspection of the safety equipment, it was found that neither parent had a personal flotation device for themselves. <laughs> And a citation was issued for failing to maintain and carry safe equipment on their vessel. They didn't have any life jerkets. In Michigan. In Michigan. 
<laughs> Some people are wondering if I had a stroke in the middle of it. <laughs> like the Ryan Seacrest audio. <laughs> All right, that's what I have in the bizarre file. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back in a second, and we'll get to the uh, lesson question. By the way, the Monkey Heist Daily Rush video is already back. It's clear that Nick Murphy is back with us here in the studio, and now Daily Rush videos are cranking out before the show's even over. Fast and furiously. You can see that at PrestonandSteve.com, and you can watch it now. Uh, And it's sponsored by Punchline Philly, Fishtown's first comedy club, restaurant, and bar. We'll be back in just a moment. Love Preston and Steve and WMMR? Check out WMMR.com for more of everything that rocks. If you're looking to celebrate someone, simply say I love you or honor mom. Steven Singer has safe and free shipping in time for Mother's Day. I hate Stevensinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Uh, there's another uh, Daily Rush video that wow. is available as well, and it's called Casey's Mom Parking Trick. It says, unfortunately, it doesn't work with the PPA's parking app. I don't remember what the parking um, trick was. I, well, I don't know what the trick is. I know the uh, the premise is that, uh, I, I mean, you use, use that parking app, and I, I did it, and then the one time I parked my mom's car, and I used her. Oh, uh, because it wasn't the same car. It, yeah, it wasn't okay. the same right. car. Yeah. All right. Well, hmm. it must have led to hijinks, because it's one of our Daily Rush videos. <laughs> Always, uh... Yucks abound. Yeah, that's Or right. zany and wacky. Zany, wacky, and what was the word I said? Goofy. Goofy. Yeah, no, there was, there was something on our own bio where I'm like, really? Oh, <laughs> I, think, I think it was uh, Goofy. On our website. That's, that's and a little of, Goofy. Okay, or something like that. Was it Goofy? Like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I got an email after we talked about that in the parking, uh, the, the meter app, I guess. Right. And I, I don't know if it's true or not. It was just a listener. But the guy said that it makes it look like you're getting a deal and that you're paying cheaper prices because you get the app, but that the price increases as the hours go on. So if you, what? If you re-up from your phone, like if you're somewhere and you're, you know, say your two hours are up and you have to re-up again, the price actually increases. You're not paying the same. Okay. That's what he says. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> I'd rather do that. I'd rather do it though. Instead of it, besides, it's it's going to be less and less of an option to feed coins or you put your credit card into a machine. And if you can be, you know, park in the place and not have to worry about it, it's great. Also, you can take it down to the minute. You know, you're not just you, you don't just arbitrarily. Okay, I think I'm going to be this amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can stop the payment once you leave the area. Yes. Okay, so I'm going through the lesson questions now to get you ready to win something. We do have a $50 <laughs> Meineke gift card uh, for the location in the Mayfair section of Northeast Philadelphia. There's a lot of stuff we could go with here today. This is a sign of a, of a fun radio show sick. today. It's sick. Sick how much? Uh, I think I want to go with this. According to Steve, what ceremonies on the back of the $2 bill? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's it's really impressive. It's not the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I will tell you that. So, what ceremony is on the back <laughs> of a two dollar bill? Two one five two six three WMMR. Let's find out if you know the answer. Give us a call. We'll do the trash while you are calling in. The trash business is a gold mine. Ninety three three WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. All right, Steve, what's going on this morning? Well, Jenny Slate is leaving the Netflix animated series Big Mouth, saying her character Missy is half black and should be played by a black actress. 
While uh, widely being praised for a decision, Slate was called out by Peppa Pig, saying the role should actually go to an animated American. Mm. Oh, my God. Dennis Quaid addressing the 39... Oh, uh, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Dennis Quaid addressing the 39-year age difference between him and his new wife, Laurie Savoy. Uh, Laura Savoy. Quaid tells People Magazine, quote, people are going to think what they're going to think, but all I know is there is an audible pop when I pull out. <laughs> Whoa! So he's happy. Yeah. All right, then. And finally, Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Reese, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon telling Variety that she really had no idea what homosexuality was until she got to Los Angeles. Witherspoon says she remembers stepping off the bus only to see Richard Simmons, Jim J. Bullock, and Bruce Valange doing new jumping jacks. Wow. <laughs> and that's your Hollywood trash. All right, so let's see if you know the answer to this question. Uh, <clears throat> what ceremony is on the back of a $2 bill? 215-263-WMMR, the number. And it is Eric that we're going to go to. Hey, Eric. Yes. All right, what ceremony is on the back of a $2 bill? It is a bris. A bris. You got it, buddy. Hang on a second, Eric. Since you got it right, we're going to give you a $50 Meineke gift card for the location in the Mayfair section of Northeast Philadelphia. And they are offering 25% off to any customer who's had their catalytic converter stolen or cut off their vehicle. They helped out local favorite Nick's Roast Beef when they had that happen during the pandemic. And they want to make sure they offer it all to Philadelphia. And Meineke wants you to know that they are here for you during the rough time and it's going to help any way they can. That's Meineke at 6140 Frankfurt Avenue. Now, Preston and Steve's Music News on 93.3 WMMR. All right. Music News brought to you by HERS, the official chip of taking your summer to the next level. When it comes to snacking this summer, keep it Philly Philly and make it HERS. HERS forever good. Seether has set August 28th as the release date for its eighth studio album, which is called C... Oh, man. C-3PO. Uh, I, well, what's that? C-3PO? No, no. This is... Uh, I don't know if this is Latin or what. C. Vis Peccum Parabellum. Uh, I don't know okay. what all that means, but anyhow. Uh, the title of the 13-track follow-up to 2017's Poison the Parish translates to If You Want Peace, Prepare for War. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Parabellum yeah. is the, is the is John, John Wick. Wick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the band has also shared the first single from the disc called Dangerous, accompanied by an animated music video created by Turkish director Mertkan Mertabilik. Uh, frontman Sean Morgan said... This has been a Mertkan production. Yeah. <laughs> These songs are carefully created to nestle in your ears like a tiny velvet rabbit clutching a switchblade. <laughs> what? Wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> or like a seed in your navel. That too. Ew. Uh, <laughs> ew. <laughs> it's just a, ew. <laughs> uh, he said, this whole album is kind of me going through that process. I'm exposing myself to a degree I'm not normally comfortable with, but I think it's okay. I'm proud to be a little bit more vulnerable on this album. Uh, CV's Paysum uh, Parabellum also marks the debut of touring guitarist Corey Lowry, Morgan's friend of 16 years, as a full-fledged member of Cedar. Skillet has shared a reimagined version of the song Save Me, which is a cool tune. It is a great song. Uh, the original version of the track can be found on the band's 10th full-length album, Victorious, which was released last August. Uh, bassist and singer John Cooper 
uh, said about the song, I was singing that I could almost hear Five Finger Death Punch doing that chorus, and then I said, I just think that could be, uh, that this could really be a skillet song. Instead of moving towards ultra metal, I can move a little bit towards romantic and sad. He said, I know it doesn't sound like Five Finger, it sounds like skillet, but for a musician, if they really picked apart the guitar and drum parts in the chorus, you can hear that being a Death Punch chorus with his voice, meaning Ivan Moody singing it. They they impressed me seeing them, you know, live. Yeah. They're 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 solid. Yeah, they're yeah. the most well groomed. I don't know if you call them heavy metal or not, but like they, everything about them is cropped. Yeah, you yeah, know, and, and made <laughs> yeah. up properly, and yep. uh, the, their beards are on point. They take care of themselves. Yeah, totally fleek, right? Is they're on fleek. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they're very fetch. Um, Pearl oh, Jam, Michigan. Huh? Very Michigan. Pearl Jam. Oh, Perry Jam. What? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. I quit. <laughs> Pearl Jam. <laughs> this is delicious. Um, what is? This? Well, that's Pearl Jam. We make it right here at the farm. I'm definitely drinking. We tonight. have some. <laughs> this is ma- this is made up my mind. For Came me. in on the truck this morning from Michigan. I mean, listen. I was on the fence whether I was going to have a couple cocktails <laughs> yeah, tonight. I'm definitely yeah, drinking. Yeah. Well, it's Thursday. It's almost Friday. Yeah. yeah. The weekend. And listen, in your defense, Pearl starts out with the word pear. Pearl so. Jam <laughs> performed at a virtual benefit concert all in, it's called All in WA, All in Washington last okay. night. Uh, it was the band's first public live performance in two years, by the way. Uh, members of the Seattle outfit performed with their from their respective homes, and they were joined by former Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist Josh Klinghoffer, who was due to support the band on their international tour this year. Was he going to be a solo artist performing, yeah. Nick? Okay. Yeah, he was going to be the opening act, but he played with them, last, I mean, virtually, last night. Um, and that song, Dance of the Clairvoyance, that we've been playing, um, Stone Gossard, who usually plays rhythm guitar, plays bass on it, not Jeff Amen. And fellow Seattle artist uh, Slater Kenny. Macklemore and Sir Mix-a-Lot were among the other artists who performed during the all-NWA live stream. Uh, the concert aimed to raise funds for coronavirus relief in Washington State. And then one last thing, uh, Metallica's Some Kind of Bracket, which saw fans vote for the band's greatest songs ever, is now over. And the winner is 1986's Master of Puppets. Of course. Yeah. Uh, from the album of the same name. And the voting featured 32 pairs of songs clashing against each other and advancing in a total of five rounds with Master triumphing over 1988's One, which was a big breakout song for them, too. Those would be the top two songs for me. Okay. The original 64 tunes included in the bracket were selected based on the highest Spotify plays and multiplying them by how many times those tracks have been played live. Uh, on its way to the final round, Master of Puppets defeated uh, Dyer's Eve, Atlas Rise, Ride the Lightning, Sad But True, and Fade to Black. The band wrote about the classic song, No Wonder That Thing is in the Library of Congress. Thanks for playing along with us. Speaking of brackets, do Jackson and Sarah, do they still, have they still done? Attack of the Brackets? Battle of the Brackets Battle or whatever brackets? it was? No. It's, a, it's a good series. I think they stopped doing that once the company stopped caring about podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> now they're, good. they're doing their gaming thing. They're doing they, a gaming What's their gaming thing? I don't know. I just made that up. All right, damn oh, it. Okay. Yeah, hell, so that would have been cool. Uh, hell. I thought the brackets was a lot of fun. It was you fun. were on it. I was on it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. We did a drummer bracket thing. It was a lot of fun. And we did a James Bond thing. Uh, and that's all I have in music news for you this morning. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, get ready to wrap this thing up. Letter Day, Word of the Week will be a part of that. Stay there. What's news? Why do you ask? Godsmack. Godsmack. 
Oilers. Green Day. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WNMR. Sorry, I'm reading a text message that says, uh, Prester is in retrograde. <laughs> Prester. Prester. Uh-huh. Uh, he will, will he get any better for the remainder of the sure? <laughs> Stay tuned to Ferned Out. Ferned Dirt. Uh, it is 1026 as we are wrapping up the sure on this Thursday morning, which uh, yeah, I'll get tired of saying this eventually, but it's already Friday. That's great. Yes. I love that philosophy from Casey. Uh, and I want to thank Brian Boucher for being yeah. on the program today. Uh, you know what? Sports is doing what they can until regular seasons do kick up. And one of the interesting things is playing back some classic and um, sometimes groundbreaking moments that have happened. And in 2000, the Flyers were in uh, the semifinals with the Penguins. And Game 3 went for eight periods, five overtime periods. And it was a marathon night, and they're rerunning it uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. And I don't think they're running it unedited, right? Isn't that what Boucher said? Because that would go They can't, yeah, because yeah. it would end at 2 in the morning or whatever. Yeah. So it's about the game, and it'll be at 7 o'clock on NBC Sports Philadelphia. But it was nice for uh, Brian to uh, kind of recap some of that and uh, give us, because it was, at the time, in modern history, it's the longest game ever played. All right, well, it, astonishing. Yeah, here's what they can do, though. I mean, how much time is in between periods, Nick? Like 20 minutes? Uh, 15. 15 minutes, so you can Cut subtract those. all of that. Yeah, I, I mean, they could do a lot of it and, yeah. and edit out some of the boring parts or whatever. <laughs> Just do it at quadruple time. Yeah. They could do that. Just speed it up. <laughs> speed it up. <laughs> It would work. Uh, so it was good, uh, cool to have uh, Bush on. Uh, Pierre Robert is here. Hey, man. Call him Bush. Bush. <laughs> yep. Wow. Brian Boucher. I call him Pear. Call him Pear. Uh, like you know, Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam. <laughs> well, they, they actually started, uh, this is not widely known, but uh, they were all facing individual crises in their lives. And so they thought of that as peril. So P-E-R-I-L jam uh, is actually where they were going to start the band. But um, then dramatic shifts occurred. And Eddie saw um, pearls on Barbara Bush one day. And he goes, I think we'll call it Pearl Jam. It's wild how that stuff happens. I mean, the names, you know, where names come from. And then he remembered that uh, commercial where they dropped a pearl in the shampoo. Was it Palm Olive? Or Prell? Prell. Prell. Yes. Yes. You learn stuff here. Well, so that's... you're saying Pearl Jam could have been called Barbara Bush. It could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it could have been. And then so... there was a band called Bush. And there was a band called Bush. And that's why they didn't go like... with that. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, around. Gavin got that name when he was on an island one time, and he was high, and he kept looking at this bush. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not, none of what I said was... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's part okay. of the course with yeah. this show, so I, I never <laughs> know what's a fact and well, what's not. Well, the, the great thing about your program is on a moment's <laughs> notice, <laughs> it can just... It, I mean, uh, I call my show Left Turns, where, yeah. where I musically will divert or something. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you do slam on the brakes and immediately turn right, left, center, derail. It's it's a beautiful thing. We'll go ah. to a different dimension from time to time. <laughs> to me, it's an act of, of art. Ah, thank you, sir. I love it. Art, that's what, that's what we do here. So we that's often, what we do. Often get mistaken for high art. <laughs> That's why you are oh. all artists. Artists. Right. I love it. I love it. 
Uh, well, could you could you sketch a letter for us here, sir? No. Okay. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR. Now, the Daily Letter. All right, and the Preston and Steve show is brought to you today by the letter. Um, E. <laughs> there you go. E as in Earl, Duke of Earl. All right, and we have a package of 20 digital movies, including <laughs> Birds of Prey, Gone in 60 Seconds, Just Mercy, The Rhythm Section, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, and many more. For a complete list, you can click contest at WMMR.com. We'll give that away tomorrow, which is great. Just a side thing, Preston, you remember in The Man with uh, Two Brains, he said Duke of Earl, mm-hmm. when he's going to inject Windex into the hooker, and she's singing, Duke, Duke. Don't go oil. No, I need to go back and see that movie again. One of Steve Martin's early movies. Uh, What's up on the show? Oh, my God. Okay, I see Pierre's laughing. Uh, Greg Monaghan. Greg Greg has uh, has created a a poster uh, for Pear Jam. Pear Jam. (laughs) And um, it's got got an image of a pear, and uh, it says underneath it the band's name in a really nicely done graphics. And Uh, on the pear is is that little Pearl Jam guy. Right. Stick man. Uh, The stick man, yeah. Yeah. That's outstanding. God, you work fast, Greg Monaghan. (laughs) Thank you, Grin and Greg. Uh, what's happening today, ma'am? Well, we got workforce blocks, which will be cool on this Thursday. Is <laughs> your mask, stuck, mask stuck, or your stuck on the microphone? My, uh, the elastic part that goes around my ear just got stuck in the wiring of the microphone. Um, yeah. Tom Petty, workforce blocks of Tom Petty, cake, and Bon Jovi. Mm, should be a lovely day today. I want to thank our sponsors. Preston and Steve show has been brought to you today by HERS, the official chip of taking your summer to the next level. Also brought to you by Duncan, official coffee of the Preston and Steve show, and by Acme Markets, fresh foods, local flavors. Uh, tomorrow on the program, one of our, fa- our favorite guests from the Franklin Institute, he is the lead astronomer, Mr. Derek Pitts, will be joining Great us. Great stuff. Always yeah. uh, takes the... Uh takes the smart stuff and dumbs it down for us. Yep, so we'll spend some time with him and uh, a few other things as well. That is it. We are done. Rage on and have a great day, and we shall see you tomorrow, friend. Bye-bye. The Preston and Steve love you line. When you go into a store, put a mask on. This exclusive. Oh, I don't want to. Bullshit. My entire life is just a bunch of shit I don't want to do, but I still do it. Put your masks on, you Next message. It's a story of a boy and a scene of under a monkey. It's still the hype. The monkey hype. Seen it on Netflix today. Next message. I went to get a coffee this morning, and I asked for liquid sugar. They put regular sugar in there. And you know what I say about that? It stinks. It all stinks. You think I want to have a coffee with thin? No, I'm with liquid sugar. I'm going to take the cream. Not that. It's the other. The Preston and Steve love you, hate you line. Call 484-434-1333. MMR rocks. Brought to you by DellToyota.com and DellChevrolet.com. Jack, sell them for less. Hey, this is Norris Howard, host of Checkpoint XP on campus. So if you want to hear about the cool conversations that nerds have about everything besides video games, make sure you join us. That's Checkpoint AFK on Google Podcasts, Bpod Studios, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.